everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. When you're a lifelong athlete like Colleen Fauch, you're all too familiar with hard work. This week we hear about her most recent performance endeavor, women's bobsledding. Now, this isn't just your weekend pickup bobsled race or a local club bobsled team. Nope, we are talking about the U.S. national team bound for the Olympics in Beijing in 2022. From collegiate swimming to CrossFit to bobsledding, Colleen says she now feels right at home in this new sport and can't wait to dedicate her training to seeing the U.S. Medal. Here it is, episode 425. Now, what do you want to do? I'm I could go getting pretty sandwich. hungry. I could go for a sandwich. <laughs> a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or a bacon cheeseburger with peanut butter and jelly? I could do both. Mm-hmm. Get you a girl that can do both? At one time. Mm-hmm. Mm, I'd just like that. Cramming them in there? I would like that. Mm. Now, Listeners, spoiler alert, we talk about a peanut butter jelly sandwich eating competition with Tex. Tex, I'd like to also add... Is it called the Twister Challenge? It is. And here's the twist. Er. You don't get to feed yourself the sandwiches. John and I feed you (laughs) (laughs) the sandwiches. What the fuck are you talking about? Okay, behind your hands. And then we just mash them in your mouth like balls of... of, uh, No, The contest. This is what you agreed to. Are going to be agreeing to. So weird. (laughs) The problem is I got to put them in your mouth. Uh, Luke's going to try to stuff them in the keister. Yeah. How do you do it, John? Yeah, yeah. How do you eat your peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? No, I want to sit back and enjoy 12... PB and J's watching Twister. Mm-hmm. This is not a competition. It's a and but what it it's is. It's a Saturday. This is a record-breaking, ridiculous intro to the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. Ing, zero. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This is Luke. My uh, esteemed co-hosts, John and Tex, are joining me here. Hi, Tex. Hello. Hey, how are you? And hi, John. Uh, we have one fun show today. We got our uh, Colleen Fauchan, the athlete, uh, CrossFit, former CrossFit, or like... Well, Golden Bear. So, uh, so swimmer, Golden Bear, and then got Cal in... Bear first. Yeah, Cal Bear. And then got into the CrossFit scene. And then... Uh, Accomplished CrossFit athlete. Yeah, competed in the games. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, I'll have to look up her... I wonder if I could look up her Occupy Strength results when she originally competed her her flagship competition. What year was that? 12, 13, 14? 12. 12? Yeah, so she was I got a, it. she I, I she I she it. must have been cuz she said she graduated in 12, so she must have been a senior in uh, in college when she mm-hmm. did it. I could go find that pretty quick. Um, but yeah, we got the original competition, so we technically, you know, we We started we, it. Yeah, we started everything, so we're to think. Uh, and then now Got into uh, invited to go train at the Olympic Center in Lake Placid, New York, for bobsled. Yeah, as a brakeman. Yeah, right? basically the pusher. Yep, yep. Uh, so we're gonna get talking to Colleen, but first, ladies and gentlemen, did you know that we're only a matter of weeks away, John, from the new year? Oh my gosh, and new me, know, new you. You say it every year, uh, John. Every year about this time, you're like, "Hey guys, before we get started on the podcast, we got to make our resolutions." New year, new. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking this year. <laughs> for 2021? Yeah, you're notorious. You've always been. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. Right? I, I, for forever, I've been talking about new me, new year. <laughs> what, so, so what resolutions do you have lined up for 2021? Uh, I think the resolution is to um, not discuss 2020 mm. in any capacity other than to refer to it as like the dark times. Mm. So like, you know, like uh, as, a, as you get through antiquity and history, there's this reference of like the dark ages. 
Mm-hmm. And we don't really know why they're dark because there was no information. Other than I did a read good read a good book by Stephen G. Miller that explained it. But um, we're going to look at 2020 as kind of a the dark ages, maybe mm-hmm. the black hole year. Mm-hmm. So when people were we just not going to we're going to go eight, 19, 21. That's my resolution. And you, Mr. McQuilkin? I got to expand my ability to cook, mm. prep some Ooh. meats. Really? Mm-hmm. I like that. I've been That's exploring. Good. A lot of these stay classy options and feel confident there, but why stop there? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Expand my ability to cook, not like a food hack mm-hmm, or anything. Mm-hmm. Well, 2021, I don't know if it's necessarily a resolution for the Summers family, but at least for me, I'm going to try to have the greenest lawn it's a good on goal. my block. It's a good goal. So, like, so as 2021 rolls in, you get a spray paint it. Uh, that's a one option, maybe artificial turf. <laughs> I was like, just so just start spray painting it. But we're at least as we're recording now, so the pre-emergence going down. Got to kind of monitor that. I got subscribed a couple lawn care YouTube channels. Like this is the most invested I think I've been on any project because I failed abysmally. I shouldn't say abysmally. Like I didn't do well this year, so I want to do better next year. And it's like if you don't get it in the the dormant season and you don't condition that soil. You're set up like you're already behind the eight ball. Yeah. So that's that's it for me. I got to get a bunch of seed out this week anyway. Mm-hmm. So I did pre-emergent and I got to put seed down. Yep, yep. What about you listeners? What's your new year, new you pledge? Is it to get in shape? Maybe stand up and get really serious about your training or nutrition? And gee, I wonder where you could get information on that, John. Yeah, you can go to powerathletehq.com and look at the training tab where we have a catalog of training programs and meet your needs from the, you know, uh, well-trained classical power lift, I mean, a power athlete all the way down to the fitness enthusiast just looking to get sweaty. So, John, what about me, though? Like, I only have a couple of days a week to train. We got a, a new father. and uh, yeah. You know, there's a great program man. we have called Gro- uh, Grindstone that's oh. designed for our professional CEO, uh, the person who still wants to kick the door off of the hinges but might have a little bit of a more, you know, fluid schedule where they can't be as regimented. So we have a flexible program called Grindstone that, uh, you know, was written for a Fortune 500 CEO. Okay. And used it to be what I like to refer to as the strongest CEO in America. Mm-hmm. What about my cousin? You know, he's really uh, like, uh, he's a weekend warrior, plays sports, has, I don't know, 90 minutes a day to train throughout the week. He just wants to be the best athlete he can be. I think uh, I would recommend probably Field Strong. Huh. Uh, Field Strong being our yeah. flagship program designed to foster and develop athleticism. It's going to take you through multiple planes of motion, different muscle contractions, allow you to be dynamic, explosive, and powerful. And do it looking good. Now, what about my grandma? Because she is 6'3", 225. Oh, Jack Street all day. Jacked. Jack Street all day. <laughs> 4340. Right. There is a very play, a, a very real place in this world called Jack Street. It's uh-huh. a place that, you know, you uh, you can't just visit. You got to get invited and you got to cruise in and you got to put in hard work so you can own a place on the street. Uh, Jack Street is purely based around putting on thick slabs and gobs of muscle to the point where people are going to think, I don't even know that could have muscle and you're going to stack muscle on it. So Jack Street was written with that singular intent of just making the biggest, strongest, most Jack motherfucker on the planet. What about my uncles? He, he loves the wad getting like, Oh, we got Johnny wad. So, uh, I rebranded CrossFit football. 
under the title of Johnny Wad, and you can find it at johnnywad.com. It's programmed on Train Heroic, and that is the D-Wad and the SWAD and all of the greatest stuff you love from CrossFit football, the face melters that virally infected and changed and altered the trajectory of CrossFit. You can find daily programmed on Johnny Watt. But he wants to put on some size, too. Oh, then you stack on Johnny Bob. Huh. Just like the GoPro model. What we found huh. is that if we can take care of a lot of this stuff and hit you with a little bit of accessory movement, you end up looking pretty good. Big glycolytic engine and a whole lot of swole. It seems like every angle is covered. And well, we haven't even talked about all the programs. Well, what's, what's interesting, I think what we did... Uh, you know, when CrossFit football started, um, you know, there was one program, then we branched off and we did Field Strong. And then from Field Strong, we started having people ask for custom versions. Mm-hmm. Hey, I need to put on muscle. Great. That was where Jackson came from. Uh, you know, Fortune 500 CEO. I need it's a flexible schedule. Long, right? Yeah. Then we, you know, came out with Grindstone. And then from there, we've stacked on Hammer, the Holistic Athlete Movement Readiness Program, which is for our warfighters and door kickers and people that go in harm's way that need to be the baddest dudes on the planet. Um, you know, we have our armor program, which is also designed for the Army's ACFT, uh, Lean Enable, mm-hmm. which is kind of a, you know, in a lot of ways, it's kind of a gateway program is to get you into the power athlete methodology and get people familiar so that we can continue to progress. We got Bedrock, which is our foundational program that, you know, if you're new to lifting barbells and you need to follow a basic linear progression to drive adaptation, Bedrock's the one. So I think what we did is we sat down, we figured out the archetypes, and we listened to what the customers wanted, and we provided them solutions because that's what we do at Power Athlete. We listen and then create Mm -hmm. solutions for the customer. Problem solvers at heart, ladies and gentlemen. And if you just want to go browse, head to powerathletehq.com slash training, and maybe you can take the little finder quiz there. Like, Mm -hmm. say, hey, what program's right for me? Give us some info. We'll point you in the right direction. And if that isn't good enough, you can always reach out via the contact form. So that's a little contact, and that goes right into our inbox. A lot of times, John and myself or Tex are answering or one of our esteemed customer success folks, and uh, we'll put you in the right direction. So if it's a new year, which it is, and there's going to be a new you, which in... in Always happens. Literally, I believe that our cells are replicating every single day, right? So like tomorrow, we're going to have cellular material that we didn't have today. So that's technically a new well, version of us. The age-old um, no man walks in the same river twice. No. Because, uh, you know, the second time he walks in a river, it's a different water and he's a different man. Mm-hmm. So the same deal we run into with these training programs. And you have the opportunity to make a life change and to get on the plan mm-hmm. and join the Power Athlete Nation and start reaching your goals. And you're going to be so much happier this time next year that you started and didn't didn't wait. Yeah. You know, like, like nobody ever regrets starting something. Well, you always regret not starting. If only I had started earlier, if only I'd done this start today, make the life change. Is there a way they can do that? I don't know. Risk free. No, be ridiculous tax. Of course there's, this has associated 14 days or 14 weeks. Well, at this point it might be seven. (laughs) It might be seven at this point. So Mm. seven to 14. Actually, the number is seven, 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 seven. It's going to change, ladies and gentlemen. Either way, it's risk-free. Hop on. Um, you real, Here's spoiler alert. So the people who take that trial, they know within the first two days. So yeah. you don't even need seven days. You don't need, you don't need 14 days. You know okay. immediately when you sign on after the very first workout. How do we know? Because we ask, and that's what they say. So, ladies and gentlemen, get in and try it. It's risk-free. If you don't like it, shame on you or shame on us, technically. Yeah. Or uh, shoot us an email. Move on. Yeah, you move on, and you don't have to stick with us for the rest of your life like the thousands of other people who are following. 
currently do. Enough about us in our glorious training. Um, let's talk training. Let's do it. Let's talk sports. And let's talk... Uh, you know, Colleen Fausch. With Colleen Fausch. Shall we? Let's do it. Ready. Set. Go. So, Colleen, it's been like a hot minute since we've last crossed paths. I think it was the Power Athlete Team Series. Or no, what? Mm. Was it the team series we did at times, oh, or yeah. what was it called? Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, that was a power athlete team series where, remember... But I don't... Th- what did we do before the team series? Uh, that the individual? No, that would have been the... Um, was it always a team series? No, no, there was a team, but there was an individual one that was like... Fuck, what was that called? Occupy Strength. Oh, fuck. Ah! Come on, you rookies. <laughs> that's... That's where, that's where I, Luke and I met. Yeah, so I mean, that's that was the first time I, I have ever personally met you. And yeah. I think we maybe crossed paths in NorCal at sectionals or something like that. But I'm Luke. Uh, it's nice to see you again. Yeah, nice and, to see you guys. And Tex, we've been on comms via email. Yeah. And your former Cal Bear here, Bob, good news, Jay Welly. Yes. No introduction <laughs> needed. Yeah, go Bears. So, no, happy always ha- always happy to have another intelligent Cal Bear oh. on the podcast <laughs> instead of fucking slumming with you guys. Colleen, what did you what did you study way back in school? Uh, so I studied well education uh, and I would like to say that I also majored in swimming as well. <laughs> while I was there. So, yeah, so swam uh, I transferred there from Notre Dame and what? I'm there uh, until yeah 2012 what what was the driver are you from cali was it like get closer to home no transfer well i was born in california and um my we moved all over the place uh lived in illinois maryland uh back to california and so i peaked pretty late in swimming and so my first time around it came down to sc in notre dame and then went to Notre Dame right before uh, I went into my freshman year, dropped a bunch of time, made Olympic trials, and all of a sudden some other doors started opening up. And then uh, didn't really, Notre Dame wasn't the place for me. And so the second time around came down to Cal and Stanford and chose Cal. You know, John McLaughlin, uh, who, who I played football with at Cal, he went to Notre Dame out of high school and was there two years and then transferred. And oh, the amount yeah? of people I know that went to Notre Dame. Is that like a thing? And fucking hated it. Yeah, was so like, like, like West Coast to the Midwest. No, like, like I, I knew guys like that played at Notre Dame and they were like, it was awful. Yeah. And just uh, the culture there. Yeah. They just, well, they didn't like it. I guess like it, if all you did was play football, but like the town and just like, I, I mean, enough to pull the ripcord. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't quite the right fit for me. So, yeah, it was a good choice. Nice. And then what happened? And then you uh, you went to Cal, and then how did your uh, how did your swimming performance really wrap up at Cal? Yeah, so went to Cal uh, <coughs> and was part of. So we won NC two A's my junior and senior year. Um, was a part of a relay that broke an American record, so that was really cool. Um, and then. I qualified for Olympic trials in 2012 and, but decided to just finish off on a high note and, uh, with NC2A championships. So then retired after that. So 
Yeah. You were just done? Like no more? You're like, I don't want to swim anymore? Yeah. No, I mean, my swimming career was amazing and I'm super proud of it, but I was definitely, when I was done swimming, I was like, I am never swimming a lap again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I was like, unless I'm in a floaty with like a drink in the pool, that's about as much swimming as I'm going to be doing. Uh, Like me a lazy river. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then I actually started working at Cal as a strength and conditioning coach, which was really cool for about two to three years. So that was awesome to get to still work with the teams just in a different way. Did you apply and were like, were you a grad student or like, did you, or were you just hired to be uh, uh, like a strength coach? So the goal, so I started interning in the weight room um, when I was done with swimming and the plan was to intern for about a year. I was going to move back to Chicago where my parents were and then go to grad school, be a grad assistant. And um, right as I was about to do that, I got a call from the guy who was my strength coach when I was a swimmer. And he was like, hey, I'm leaving and I'm gonna recommend you for the job. I was like, all right, so uh, kind of right time, uh, right place. And I was like, I mean, I can't say no to this. And uh, so now I'm currently um, getting my master's in kinesiology, uh, two classes away from wrapping that up. So doing everything I wanted to, just in kind of a different order of it all. Sure. Uh, yeah, that was really cool. So Colleen, tell like, when, when you were swimming at Cal, what was the strength and conditioning program like? And like, maybe how has it changed? Cause I know that's a big, well, with some swim coaches, you know, dry land training is kind of a controversial thing in yeah. terms of improving performance. Now, like more progressive coaches understand that the benefits of it, but I'm just curious what your experience was. Yeah, I would say it's evolved a lot. I think just in the swimming world as a whole, I think um, while a good amount of yardage is still needed in swimming, especially if you do those longer events, I think it's evolved into less garbage yardage. And I think coaches are realizing that you can get better at swimming outside of the pool. And I think like for me as an athlete, I lo- my favorite part of training was the weight room. So I was like, the more time I can be on land and in there, like the better. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's really good for athletes just mentally and just the longevity of their careers. Um, I mean, speaking for myself, I had an overused shoulder injury and, you know, so for me as a coach, if I could help prevent that at all, that's amazing. Um, so I think it was definitely tricky. I think just aquatic sports in general, um, working as a strength coach, you know, there's a fine line between, you know, you don't want the athletes to gain too much mass. Uh, a lot of swimmers perform better at a higher body fat percentage. Um, and again, that depends on whether they're a sprinting, sprinter, mid-distance, distance. Um, but I think it's it's been really exciting to see the evolution of it. And mm-hmm. a lot of programs embrace strength training and not be afraid to have their athletes lift. You know, that's probably why I'm not really a good swimmer is because of my arms are so muscular and I'm just too dead. And you're like, <laughs> well, it's like, you're built like a T-Rex. Uh, you know, the, uh, the interesting thing, and this is something I just observed about swimmers is most of the swimmers that I saw had extremely odd body types. 
like longer torso, shorter legs, yeah, longer yeah. arms, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a ton of like, um, um, like uh, yeah, uh, hyperflexion in the yeah. knees. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, and I, I remember seeing swimmers, and especially uh, at that point at Cal, there was really only one big weight room, and we would see swimmers and gymnasts and all that, and it was pretty interesting to see the swimmers and be like, man, these people got some, like, strength. Yeah, lanky, oddly lanky. Uh, yeah, like, I, like you're, like, not ground-based athletes, but you could see where they would be pretty good in the pool. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah. So I always think, like, I wonder if they'd hurt themselves. <laughs> Well, well, I mean, just the uh, just the amount of load that you would handle in the pool. I mean, like the it it, like it's astronomical if you think about if you could translate it onto the land for, you know, if there was a way to do it. But Mm -hmm. just I mean, the amount of swimming they do and then the resistance and like it's uh, it's pretty interesting. And I remember we had a good talk with Dave Spitz about this, that he's like uh, swimmers that swim from a young age basically build these metabolic pathways because the amount of load they handle is so astronomical compared to any ground-based athlete Mm -hmm. that it really sets some interesting characteristics yeah and athleticism because we can make up and have these compensation patterns just moving in space and on the field and court and whatnot but in the pool you have to be extremely efficient because the the world around you is fighting back. Mm-hmm. So that that efficiency and um, I had a fortunate opportunity to work with swimmers and then using that weight room as that tool to really dial in that athleticism and efficiency. And the cool thing about collegiate swimming is it's their first introduction to the weight room more often than not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they have very they don't it's clean slate, no poor movement patterns just really getting them good at moving well under load. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was definitely my first uh, experience with lifting any to other than like maybe a dumbbell or so in some dry land training. Um, And that's, no, that's a great point because I definitely, it was kind of cool to have the freshmen come in and start from ground zero. They just had no... They're like, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. So it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. Were you swimmers only at Coach and Cal? Uh, so I was, I worked with women's swimming, men's water polo, and then men's and women's diving. Um, and then I'd help assist out with other teams here and there, but those were the programs that I had uh full control over so now so when uh i lived in the dorms with a bunch of the uh, water polo guys okay and then when they all joined pike which was like their water polo frat pikes and so uh i was still buddies with them and so we would go over to their uh, house parties and uh just hung with those dudes a ton and like uh, like they disappeared for a week because they went out to like i want to say they went out to joshua tree and all dropped acid (laughs) And, like, everybody got lost. They had to, like, call in park rangers to, like, find these fucking dudes. Yeah, but did they get like, lost or did they get found? Uh, dude, like, like their stories, uh, the guy that I was buddies with, this guy named Finney, uh, Phineas, and I can't remember Phineas' oh, last name. No names, no names. And uh, he got so hammered he fell off of the second floor on Pike, and we couldn't oh, find him. Like, we were on a balcony, yeah. and he fell off. Mm-hmm. And then we, were like, looked around, we didn't find him, and he fucking laying, like, in the parking, like, in the... Uh, Landed in the pool. Um, no, no, in, in the driveway. <laughs> oh. in, yeah, like hurt himself and like nobody noticed for about 20 or 30 minutes. And then finally we looked over and we're like, oh, fuck. And he's like laying there, you know. So I think uh, those dudes were pretty historically. So they rode hard. Uh, yeah, they uh, okay. I remember we went to a party there and it was called, uh, man, it was like the kamikaze something. I just remember we had a lot of headbands with like red dots on them. Karate kid. And uh, there were shots with goldfish in them. Oh, and it was like, <laughs> how did it taste? Uh, 
it was awful. It was uh, like I yeah, like the anytime those dudes would call me, I would be like, ah, <laughs> oh, these fucking water polo dudes. They're the fucking they're they're the fucking worst. You know, goldfish shots are really like probably the most nutritious shot you can take. <laughs> <laughs> well, that way you, that way you, you can keep great your protein amino, up. Yeah, great amino acid profile. I'm told, oh, I'm told. dude, uh, one and then one of the other dudes, this guy Dave, and I can't remember his last name. Uh, he actually got arrested for beating up the uh, the cook at Top Dog. Oh, wow! Do you remember the Do you remember the hot dog Nazi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, no, he, <laughs> he he punched he punched the hot dog Nazi, stole two hot dogs, and then took off running. Oh, and, wow. and they caught him like four blocks because he got so tired going up the hill to Pike. <laughs> That uh, the cops totally caught him, and he was like, "That's funny." And needed yeah. more stadium stairs. Oh, dude, it was yeah. uh, like like any time there was like a ridiculous story or something like that, we would you know like within uh, I guess you could say our little athlete pod of friends, it was always something related to like those the guys. Water polo guys, They're like these oh, fucking man. idiots, man. Like these guys can't get out of their own way. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, but then like they would always you know super successful, win a ton of games. And, like, we'd always go to the Big Splash, which is uh, a yeah. Cal-Stanford uh, water polo game. And, like, root, you know, I mean, we just went there to root and maybe, I don't know, cause some trouble. Sounds like all those pikes needed was, like, an effective strategy <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to lead them into the... takes over the, the so reins and they're, they're I, well, students. Well, she, she was there. I mean, I, you know, obviously years later, but I just wondered if that was, like, the... Uh, the heritage. Uh, yeah, the yeah. heritage that, that they had gathered yeah no i didn't know them on that level but so, so no <laughs> well i figured maybe as a swimmer i don't know i figured uh, uh you guys might have crossed paths in that way but but you you weren't in a sorority or anything were you no no yeah no. It wasn't, yeah i wasn't in, i wasn't in a sorority either yeah <laughs> yeah uh, yeah they tried but they you know the tridelts didn't like me so yeah, yeah. but yeah, no, uh, yeah, no, like the, uh, it's funny, we used to always get invited to all these, like, um, this is the thing that blew my mind about Cal. There was obviously, like, a bunch of fraternities, but there were different tiered fraternities. It's kind of like clubs in Vegas. There's, like, the top ones, and then there's these other ones. I think that's pretty standard. Isn't and it? my my, uh, my sweet mates at Clark Kerr, uh, like, rushed some, they were total nerds. Like, I mean, like, straight up, I used to do, like, the nerds, nerds, like, straight up revenge <laughs> of the nerds to them. And uh, they both like rushed his frat and they were invited me to the party and we all went over there. And I was like, first of all, they had amazing food at this house party at their fraternity. All these kids were like, I was like, man, there's like a rich, smart frat with like, you know, good stuff. And they had like they had a bartender. It was all catered. And I remember thinking like, this is the other, this is how the other half lives. These fucking pike guys suck. Yeah, they're like rolling in kegs at Keystone. Uh, no, dude, these guys had like a dude, like a, um, like a bartender pouring Heineken's. Yeah. And then they had like. <laughs> That's not my experience at my so, buddy's frat parties. It was, no. Yeah, like a bloodbath. and like uh, Single serving goldfish bags and Fritos <laughs> like from the their kitchen and then like the old Keystone like kitchen. Yeah. Uh, so oh, so the, the carnival the, diet. Yeah. That was like one side but there was this whole other yeah, kind of yeah, like part. Yeah. Like uh, kids you know parents are money super smart like right. nerd and I was like I didn't even know you nerds knew like this is great. You nerds can party. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah we had a good time but no I mean that was an incredible experience. I, I also uh, worked on my master's in education so uh, Herb Simons Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know if you remember Herb and uh, Derek Van Reen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So those were my uh, graduate advisors. Oh, nice. Yeah, no, Berkeley <laughs> was a good time. Yeah. Haven't been back in a while, but. 
I, uh, I loved it. I, uh, my goal was, um, so they had a four-year scholarship for a letter, or for, sorry, a four-year letterman scholarship to go to Bolt Hall, for the, which was the law school. Oh, okay. So that's what I was applying to do. And then uh, I got sidetracked with that NFL thing for about a decade. And uh, <laughs> I mean, at the time, I like, then I've told the story, but I was like, man, like, I didn't know anybody that really played. I mean, I played with guys, like, I didn't know how long people played. So I just figured, like, the average is what, a couple years? Yeah. Maybe I'll just make some money and go back to law school. And that turned into a decade. So. Mm-hmm. And then I was actually filling out law school applications when Greg Glassman fucking sucked me into the CrossFit deal. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so, great! Yeah. So if uh, you and Colleen have so much in common, if if I, great Cal, if I into CrossFit, if I hadn't, I mean, dude, the the crazy part is if I had just kept on the course, none of this would have happened. Uh huh. Uh-huh. You know, the premier podcast on strength conditioning would have never it'd, happened. It'd be Ben Greenfield. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've talked about the past. What's going on with you presently? I, I mean, I, uh, I know you were big into the CrossFit deal, and I remember I saw you at uh, some party in L.A. At, after some of the games, and I remember I kind of posted you up and was like, don't tell me this is all you're going to do. And you're like, I want to, you're like, I want to be like an elite professional CrossFitter. And I think I was like, don't do this. Yeah, no, you're like, like and, don't, nope. And, yeah. and, and, and it was funny because uh, one of her friends like thought I was either uh, like hitting on her or harassing her came over and I'm like, well, well, I'm trying to like fucking push this girl to go do something cool, not fucking be a CrossFitter. Yeah. Like, and uh, you were, I'm, I'm sure like totally unsolicited, but I, I like, um, and I know this sounds crazy. I'm a father of daughters and like I, uh, you know, Cal athlete, the whole deal. I'm like, you have so much more opportunity than like mm-hmm. just being a professional exerciser. I appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, so when, when I saw that uh, you went out to Arizona and then also what you're doing now, I was like, Yes. That's oh, what I like to see. I like to, I like to see people use their athleticism and their training and everything they've done for an actual bitch and purpose. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. So right now, so on the school side, I'm finishing up my master's and then I just started a undergrad certificate in uh, data science. And then um, I'm currently out in Lake Placid at the Olympic Training Center um, trying to get on the um, U.S. National Women's Bobsled Team, yeah. which is, Hell yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, never in a million years did I think I was going to end up here, but uh, I am very, very happy. How did that happen? Did they reach out to you or? Yeah, so um, it was funny because I legit had watched Cool Runnings like two days prior to um so Kaylee <laughs> Kaylee Humphreys who is um she won worlds in January uh she has three Olympic medals um two of which are gold and she is uh one of the pilots for the U.S. she she used to compete for Canada and now she competes for the U.S. and she reached out and was like hey have you ever you know thought about bobsledding I was like can't say that I have. Um, but, uh, and you know, in my, I, you know, I've watched it, um, obviously during the Olympics and from what I saw, a lot of the athletes that were getting recruited into it were past track and field athletes. So I was like, I don't know if you have the wrong person or I was like, I was like, that's definitely not my background. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we started talking and then I actually ended up, uh, going out to California to train with her and get the lowdown on what this would all look like. And then 
had some really good chats with the head coach of the team. And then um, the opportunity came about for me to have a spot out here to train with the national team um, for, I've been here now for almost two months. And uh, we have team trials coming up this weekend and next weekend. And then, and then the team gets named. So yeah. Just a couple weeks out. What does the uh, depth chart look like? What is the what? Like what's the depth chart look like? Like how many people are competing? Like for how many spots? Yeah, so there's not necessarily a specific number of spots. It kind of just depends. Um, there's a committee after we race this weekend and next, there's a committee that goes through all of the data and information on everyone and kind of picks. Um, so there's a World Cup team and then a development team. Um, so for the World Cup, they'll probably pick uh, anywhere from, I'd say, three to four brakemen, and that's what I'm trying to be. I'm the person behind pushing the sled. I'm definitely not driving it. <laughs> um, but uh, And then they'll have probably three to four pilots on that team. So each pilot needs a brakeman and then a few alternates. So, And right now, there's about 10 brakemen total, um, so fighting for those few spots. Um, and, yeah, so... I'd imagine since like it, much like myself, my uh, knowledge of bobsled is whatever's in cool runnings. Yeah. Uh, so tell, <laughs> tell me about the crash course. Like yeah. once this thing became a reality, what were the learning milestones? What were things that you, you know, enlighten us? Yeah. So, oh man, there's so much. I mean, I'm still learning a ton every single day on like what I need, what equipment I need. Um, I mean, training has changed so much and I'm not going to lie. I love it. It's, you know, it's all the things that I like to do. I get to lift heavy sprint. I only have to like, it's a hundred percent max efforts for very short periods of time, tons of rest. Um, so that sounds like you should have been a football player. Oh, trust me. I, that's like my, in another life, that's my dream. <laughs> so, like just live heavy shit and push people around yeah. and push things for short distances. No, exactly. I actually told uh, one of my friends. Uh, so when you line up with your pilot um, at the start, I mean, every, every pilot and brakeman have a different cadence on um, how they set up and when they get the sled moving. And so I've always wanted to be in a sport that like I had a helmet and a mouth guard. And so I feel like real badass doing this. And so when I go up with my pilot, usually they'll say some sort of command or they'll tap on the sled and then I say set and then we go. And one of my teammates uh, was saying, she was like, yeah, I got like all, you know, football vibes from you like yelling set. And I was like, good. Cause like, that's been my dream is to be a football nice. player. So, um, but yeah, so basically, so pushing a bobsled much different than how I was pushing a sled in, you know, any CrossFit workout um, and have definitely learned there's a ton of technique involved and obviously been working a ton on my sprint mechanics, but we're not just running. We're trying to, you know, push something really fast. Um, mm -hmm. So basically, so for women, there's only two men. So for men, there's four men and two men. Um, so for me, there will be the pilot who starts on the side of the bobsled and then I start in the back. Um, and so basically, uh, 
we hit the sled, we move it, run for a little bit about like anywhere, for, depending on the track, um, like no more than 30 meters, I'd say. And then the pilot gets in first, I get in afterwards and then just try to make myself as small as possible in the back of the sled and not get, you know, jostled around too much. Um, the first ride down, first of all, I don't, I was terrified. <laughs> uh, I just, they said, they were like, whatever you do, just make sure you get in. Cause some people have not gotten in, which is not good. Uh, That's like, gotta be like the prereq, right? Like, uh, yeah. can you get in the sled regardless of how fast you push? Can you actually get right, in? Right. Yeah. So they were like, we don't care how fast this one is. You just gotta get in the sled, stay in the sled. Um, <laughs> So, and yeah, so the first time, the entire time, I was just like, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck? Um, and now, now having done it a few more times, uh, I can be a little more coherent. Like I actually studied, um, you know, the turns of the track. So I know what's coming and uh, like when to brace at certain times and stuff. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's a crazy sport, but I absolutely love it. It's are Colleen, are all tracks the same? So what you're prepping for now is what you'll see potentially in the Winter Olympics? Uh, no, so they're all different. Um, so the plan right now is for a few people, probably the top you know teams on World Cup will go to their plan is to go to out to Beijing where the next Winter Olympics will be um, to get some test runs on that track. Um, but yeah, every single track all over the world is completely different. So um, yeah, which makes it even more fun. What is the next cycle coming up? I mean, it should have been 2020, but you know. Uh, 2022. 2022. Yeah. Yeah, in uh, Beijing. So yeah. In Beijing. And then on, on a bobsled, okay, this is probably a dumb question, but are there, like all tracks are made of the same types of turns or like they're different turns on different tracks, like a hairpin or like a, a loop de Hard right. I think it's like golf courses where so, they probably have like some like so track builders. Varies. Yeah, like they're probably all like uh, maybe the same distance so they can, you know, like cover the same times maybe. Like maybe, but they're probably like golf courses, I would imagine. I actually don't know too much about still learning that. Well, we're gonna need to. We're gonna need yeah, we're gonna I need know. Detail. <laughs> did, um, did you say oopty loop what, like a Hot Wheels track? <laughs> What's uh? We don't know uh, like a. Yeah, it's not like a roller. Yeah. Don't. Oh. <laughs> they don't get That's enough speed for that. Uh, how heavy is a sled? Like I was wondering. Like I mean, obviously heavy to pick it up, but I wonder if they've. I mean, I'm sure they have figured out like, hey, like uh, these are our test sleds and they're, you know, they weigh X and you got to be able to push them. Is yeah. there like kind of a training? So I forget the exact weight, but that actually plays a big. So there's a maximum weight that the sled with the people in it can weigh. Mm -hmm. So that actually plays a big role into how the drivers pick their brakemen. Um, so they have to take into account the weight of the sled, their weight, and then depending on that, like what's left over, they'll pick their brakeman. And you want to be ideally close to that max weight, because if you're not, then you have to put weight into the sled. So mm -hmm. if you're both super light, then you have to push a heavier sled. So ideally right. you both weigh with your sled that max amount so then you don't have to put anything extra in 
Um, yeah, and and that weight is like functional, right? Yeah, like right. Not just packing on cheeseburger pounds. You're, it's the, <laughs> right, right. It's like <laughs> yeah, you, see, you just need a big, thick girl in the back pushing. That's yeah, all you exactly, got. Exactly. Yeah. I'm well, it was of... it was great because uh, I mean I'm for in CrossFit I'm one of the bigger athletes, and I've mm-hmm. for the last few like my body including the men, <laughs> including the men. <laughs> like I mean, the dudes are like. Five two. <laughs> I mean, it's like five two. Like 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 the dudes. Is he really a man? Like the dudes are like, uh, dude. It's hilarious. The the guys are five six, like one seventy five, and the girls are like five six, one. Yeah, like no, like one thirty five, one forty five. Like they're pretty much the same. Yeah, it's uh. So I'm definitely so I'm right around one seventy, which is like real big for yeah. XFit. How and, uh, uh, how tall are you? Five seven. How tall? Five seven. Yeah. So, um, it was the first time in my life. I remember I was on the phone with Mike, the coach and he was like, okay, so how much do you weigh right now? I was like, oh, probably like a little over 170. He was like, perfect. I was like, I think I found my sport. It's <laughs> <laughs> nice. You're like, God damn it. It's not going to make these handstand pushups so damn hard. Yeah. Right. I was like, this is great. It's the first time I think I've ever heard that. Cause every other, I feel like I'm always trying to get smaller. So it's not that mm-hmm. I, I need to stay just where I am, which is good. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so Colin, can you relate the, the bobsled push to like a prowler push? You know, I, and I know it's surface dependent. Like if you're pushing on turf or grass or blacktop or whatever. Right. But like how heavy does it feel? You know what I mean? Like in terms of like a prowler push for our, our listeners who might be familiar with that. Yeah. I would say, I mean, it definitely, uh, so we first started, they have a push track here, which is essentially like the frame of a bobsled on wheels um, on a little like sprint track. Um, and that's what I first started learning how to push on. Um, and then it feels a ton different being on ice, which makes sense. Um, I'd say it feels, it, it doesn't feel super heavy. It's not a grind push i mean as yeah. like if you've seen bobsledding it moves relatively fast well, they're blades right yeah. so there's blades on ice so that they probably after you overcome the inertia yeah, then first. all of a sudden yeah like yeah. like to stop mm-hmm. so i i had um man this is like years ago maybe 2010 2011 i had these guys approach me who were training for the bobsled combine i guess they had like a combine oh yeah yeah the testing deal mm-hmm. so i helped those guys with programming and they came into this is at old balboa they came in and um, like we went through all of us like a broad jump. I want to say it was like a uh, like a triple on the clean, mm-hmm. and there was like a series of events that we helped them yeah. too. Crookston also, yeah. And so the, the and I, I remember discussing. I'm like you know, and I I thought the same thing. And they're like blades overcoming inertia. So that initial being able to come out Launch. of the hole, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, right. And there and I think you guys wear spikes too, right? Yeah. Yeah, so first time wearing, I uh, got a pair of sprint spikes, and then uh, I have my ice spikes too. So definitely, and I have, uh, um, our, like, we wear, like, it's basically a onesie um, that we wear. Not the racing ones. This one's more like a sweatshirt-type onesie. So uh, kind of like the one that Tex wears around on the weekends, a onesie? <laughs> with the belt? With the, with the open butt flap? Yeah, butt flap. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, no. Yours is more like Jack Lane with like the rhinestone belt that you wear around, oh, right? Yeah, and boots. Is... Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of polyester. You you don't know who Jack Lane is, do you? Do yeah. you, ladies? Do... And <laughs> uh, Colleen, do you know who Jack Lane is? No. 
Oh God. Okay. So back, uh, I'm, I'm going to totally date so myself, I, but he's a pretty famous dude. Like he, he had like a TV show in the fifties where he would yeah, like lift weights original and, oh, and yeah. yeah, he is. And he would, uh, do like juicing where like, he was like big into like, uh, like put all your food into like a blender and he um, sold these Jacqueline blenders. Like single arm hands yeah. pushups on a chair. Uh, every year for his birthday, he would do something crazy. Like he swam in like the San Francisco Harbor, like towing like seven boats with his teeth. Oh uh, the dude is like a world famous dude, with but the he, godfather of modern fitness. Yeah. He, 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 like, he, he had, uh, he had these, uh, Jacqueline fitness centers and there was one on, Dude, I tell you, there was one on PCH in Torrance, and I remember we drove by because it was kind of like gold on the outside, and it had like a statue of him outside, and I remember like driving by as a little kid being like, what a dickbag. Look at this guy. Like, he's like, who's got a gold statue of themselves? Like, even as a kid, I thought something was weird about it. No, he's, he's, he's epic if you look at it. And, like, the, what his recommendations were are not that crazy. And no. If everyone would just do it, they'd be in really good shape. Uh, he, and he, yeah. I yeah. remember the way I learned about Jack Lane, which is, I guess... Coincidental and uh, Simpsons. No, uh, <laughs> seriously, it's because it was in NorCal, and that's where I first met Colleen as well. And I think oh, it, Chris Lalane. Yeah, yeah. Which is hilarious because because you were like this guy. He's like, and I, that was the first time no, I heard the Lane name. So what was hilarious yeah. is he married. Uh, Jack Lane's like granddaughter or cousin or something, and changed his name to Lane. What? Yeah. So he took her name to get the Lane name. Which so then we just called him the lame. But <laughs> but he's in the fitness industry, so it's like no, it's, it makes sense. It's like a strategic play, and then that's when I ended up going deep on Jack Lalane. And then when we we did uh, Newport Harbor's gym, <laughs> I remember they had a set of Jack Lalane plates. I'm like, we need to keep these. Ah, uh, we plates. still have those. Yeah, yeah. We we have the tents. I. Some quick quotes for inspiration, Colleen. This is from JackLalane.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if you need like a daily affirmation in the morning. Yeah, one yeah. of his tabs, one of his tabs is Lalaneisms. <laughs> so I, I couldn't help but click, but the, here's some gold. All right, I'll just pick a few randomly. <clears throat> Exercise is king. Nutrition is queen. Put them together and you've got a body kingdom. Ooh. <laughs> Seems like a thesis. Do. Don't stew. And I'll just give one more. I'm going to use that one for Nate. Because Nate, all Nate does is stew. If man makes it, don't eat it. Yep. That's, yep. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And dude, he, uh, it was, if, if man made it, spit it out. And he also had another one with, with sugar. And he had like this TV show back in the day. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I, like straight up. And he would wear these uh, like almost like they were polyester jumpsuits. But they were like super fitted and they had belts. Like it was oh. something that like you would probably see uh, like in the Castro on on Halloween or something in There's San Francisco. Be a Jack Lane documentary. I would I, I would get a kick out of that. Well, he's got plenty of books. Yeah, yeah. So how do we get on Jack Lane? Oh, one you asked. Well, uh, she brought up her onesie, and oh, I said Tex right, likes right. to wear a onesie around, but his is more just a like terry cloth yes. with a butt flap. Yes. Uh, so that was wormhole number one of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next thing you're in your onesie, yeah, and you get out there and push. How many times, um, I mean, obviously when you get to the Olympics, it's, you know, like two or three opportunities. But like in a training day, how many how many times do you push in that sled? Uh, usually two to three times. Yeah. Which um, I remember when Kaylee was, because expl- I asked the same question and coming from CrossFit where we do just 
all the reps in the world. Yeah, I'll do 150. Let's yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought you were going to be like, well, we usually push it like three to 400 times a day. And yeah. I'd be like, well, that's kind of low for a CrossFitter. Yeah. So that's been, uh, that was definitely an adjustment when I first started pushing just on the push track. One of the coaches, uh, Justin was like, listen, you don't, you're going to get a lot of rest after this. I'm not like, you're not going to do this 20 more times, like go for it. So it's just like adjusting the mindset of going into that next gear, knowing that I don't need to, you know, go 80% for 20 minutes anymore. It's mm -hmm. like seven seconds of Maximum, all out. Right, right. Yeah. We did a, we did a little Q and a yesterday, um, like on strength conditioning books. And we were talking about super training and in there, there's a section that I highlighted that talked about like repeated submaximal efforts cause a conversion of fast switch muscle fiber to low switch muscle fiber so that you can survive the, you know, the repeated efforts. Mm -hmm. And it was funny cause it's highlighted and I wrote CrossFit on it. <laughs> and, uh, like that's what really happens because of that submaximal duration. It mm -hmm. just, you know, ends up kind of what's the right word, siphoning away your explosiveness and athleticism to be able to just handle that volume of load. I mean, which is just a survival mechanism. Yeah. So Colin, now you're in a situation where now I got to fucking push max what, effort. Colleen, what was your distance in swimming? Were you a 50, a hundred or the long, oh, long stuff? Uh, hundreds were almost too long. I was a sprinter. So, <laughs> so, that's, yeah. that's, so that makes sense. Yeah. yeah that's and then John, so the, was there a differentiation in there on like, uh, gender, like male, female. Well, what's because um, don't f female athletes typically have less fast twitch, or is it because uh, androgen profile? No, what it comes down to, like I've, I've never ever heard anybody give up fiber breakdown for male and female okay. but i would imagine it is in super training but deep in there and yeah. i have to I'd yeah have to i'd have to go reread it but there is an interesting thing with central nervous system efficiency where like the higher androgen level the more efficient the nervous system so that's why we've seen with like the uh the crossfit girls they can uh, handle a higher percentage of their one rm for more reps you know like you see like i'm sure you you know you squat like a 10 rm and you know all of a sudden then you throw weight on and somebody hits a single yeah and so like that uh fred hatfield muscle fiber test was always really thrown off by like our female crossfit athletes yeah so but you know it's kind of like uh the field of dreams if you train it it will come yeah, yeah. and yeah. that's where like people forget with this stuff it's like if you train it they will come you know well, unless you're a genetic trash can. Is that cute? Hey. Uh, I yeah. like a genetic dumpster fire. Yeah, that one's good too. Which, I mean, there's only one of us in this show that even qualifies as that. I'll take it. <laughs> Colleen, where, where are the other the women that are competing for these positions coming from? What's their like sporting background? Yeah, yeah. What part of the country? Is it one more than the other? Yeah, so it's it's really cool just getting to know everyone here and seeing what their backgrounds were athletically. So um, actually Kelsey Keel, who um, was, are also from CrossFit. So we came in at the same time. So that was really cool to, uh, we hadn't met before meeting up here, but it was cool to have a buddy coming from the same spot. Um, there's been a lot of track and field, um, volleyball. Um, Actually, the pilot that I slid with yesterday um, played football on a women's team, so that was really cool. Um, let's see. Uh, Kaylee, who reached out to me, she came from ski racing. Um, so a lot of football players on the men's side. Um, yeah, so kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. Is it, I mean, 
like you said, John, it's that launch that's probably a big component of yeah. the start of this, right? Is, Overcoming is there, inertia. Is there, do you find any transfer from like getting off the block and swimming into like that first pulse into the bobsled? Or is it, did you have to unlearn that to, to get more specialized in the bobsled? I would say that not necessarily, there's not technique wise, it's not super similar, but it feels very, bobsled feels a lot more familiar to swimming than CrossFit mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, the biggest difference too is that, you know, it's not like a shotgun start. Um, we, we have 60 seconds to get ready and we go, like the timing eye doesn't actually start until I think it's five meters out. So it doesn't necessarily matter how, I mean, it does how fast you get off, but like the timing of it's more important. Mm -hmm. So you're not necessarily, you know, cause I initially thought um, before, you know, learning about it, I thought it was like a three, two, one go um, very much like swimming, but it's not. So that's, uh, which is mm -hmm. kind of nice that you're on your own time. Um, so, yeah. That's cool. Like a it, flying start. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, it probably, you know, you think of the physics of it, like the faster you can get moving sooner. Oh, yeah. You know, no, the, yeah, sure. you know so it's yeah. like, you know, like a, I, I guess the faster you overcome inertia and you get up to a certain dude, do they actually um, put like a, a like a gun and a clock on it? Like, hey, like in the push, you were moving days. this five, like uh, kind of give like a five, a ten in this. Yeah. And you so, kind of like, hey, we need to. Yeah. When we first started uh, putting up numbers out in the push track, they'll have timing eyes at different distances down the track. So we could just see, you know, where we needed to work. Like um, for me, cause we kind of split it up into two different phases, like the drive phase after the hit. And then as you start pushing the sled over the crest, you're running downhill. So it turns into more of cycling i mean you still want to be putting force into the sled and not just going along for the ride but there's definitely a transition to it so um that's been really interesting just to learn and um adjust and adapt and stuff to that damn would you say there's any carryover like uh, the only thing i can think of is uh almost like coming out of the bottom of a clean like trying to stand up on the concentric feels like that type of like overcoming the inertia of like driving out of the hole. I think that yeah. at least the way that the guys that I worked with, they thought that had the best carryover. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, a lot of the coaches here kind of, cause that's, I can relate it to that the most I'd say it's basically like a clean, just instead of going up, you're going <laughs> that way. At a 45. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and unilateral is uh is I mean, um, one of the things I always hated was watching CrossFitters, uh, especially in the games, push sleds, because it was like this, like head down, oh, arms yeah, that was ass me last up, year. <laughs> just this like, like I would watch it, and it's so in. I mean, I guess it's it's survival. You're just yeah. trying to like you know figure out a way to push this thing, but it's by far the most inefficient way to push a sled. Oh. And, and I remember years ago when they brought me out to the games, I talked about like, hey, this is how you push a sled. And then uh, then I realized that none of those people could push it like that. And then they just started kind of like flat backing, kind of leaning on this uh -huh. thing and using it. And I remember thinking like, shit, man, these guys are going to kill themselves. Well, it's like that where we mentioned earlier, swimming, overcoming inertia. Essentially, you have to be in this perfect posture and position similar to yeah. sled. They found a way to to compensate and just get it moving, even yeah. though it wasn't the most 
efficient as would be driving into a, a bobsled. You got it's some very similar to swimming. You got to be perfect in that moment and hit those times. Well, and the chest has to be up because as you're pushing into it, like if your chest was down as the thing started to take off, you couldn't get into it. You yeah. almost have to be in a position to like fucking jump in and i remember right. like as i'm like looking at these like the translation like you could see yeah like i i, I always appreciated it and i man just anytime you get to see big athletes moving things and doing something explosive for short periods of time i'm like hell yeah yeah, yeah now watching the sled event from last year's games now and that was my best finish like watching me push that sled down i'm just like oh my god that just looks so bad because just like you Where were saying, you... I was like completely folded in half, just like yeah. <laughs> pushing it. Yeah. How many games are you competing, Kelly? Uh, so I competed on a team um, in 2017 and then individually last year. So two. Yeah. Okay. And then did, were you training for it for the past, like previously to that seriously or and like missed out in regionals or? Yeah, so I missed out by two spots in 2016 and in 2018. Um, mm -hmm. So that was tough for sure. And then making it last year was really awesome. But like with, you know, it was a really crazy year because so much changed with not only how you could qualify for the games, but then the games with all the cuts and stuff started happening. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely... Um, yeah, it was it was craziness, but uh, but still very it was a very cool experience. Um, very proud to get there um, individually. Um, but yeah, but yeah. how has your mental preparation changed and evolved from those fifty meter swims to then this four day marathon of exercise to now <laughs> a moment within yeah. your sport? It's longer than four days, isn't it? It's like four weeks, isn't it? Like they start programming workouts the nobody knows nobody knows yeah <laughs> um i would say that on the mental side of things i coming to this sport um feels i feel much more at home with this type of racing and maybe that's just from years and years of swimming where um, once I step on the blocks, like my body just kind of takes over. There's no time to think you're fighting for hundredths of a second. Um, and that's what I, I love about this is that you get to just get super fired up to go. Like, there's no strategy. There's no, you're not holding anything back. You're just fucking going for it. Um, mm -hmm. and I love you know, going up to that block now at the top of a bobsled track and, um, you know, like the nerves are there and all that stuff, but there is a sense of like calm just cause like once you go, you're, you're not thinking about anything. Whereas like in CrossFit, there's so much time to think. Um, yeah. and it's just, it's just like constant static and nails on a chalkboard. Yeah. Yeah. Versus like a boom and go. Right. That's what I relate exercise to. <laughs> Nails like, on a chalkboard. Yeah, she. Boy, you missed me on that one. Uh -huh. But no, that's cool. Yeah, have Colleen? Have you ever taken a run at the pilot position to get a feel and a sense for what their responsibilities are? Oh no, 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 no! <laughs> I, I will definitely. There's that takes. Um, 
a lot of, I mean, to talking to Kaylee about it to, you know, she's been, this is her, I believe, 18th year in the sport. Um, wow. And yeah, driving that thing down the track. Uh, I, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm good. So, so this is a sport you could probably, I mean, she's got to be in her 40s then, huh? She is 34, I believe, 35. Oh wow! Yeah. And she's been she's been driving for eighteen years. Yeah, yeah, long time. Well, so usually the progression is, um, not always, but usually they'll start in the brakeman position and then kind of make the call to switch to a pilot position, um, just to get a sense for the sport and learn it, and then um, move to a different spot. But yeah, are pilots training different than? than the, the brakeman? Um, I would say it's pretty similar, except like as far as weight room and- Yeah, as far as, uh, yeah, weight, strength and conditioning. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty similar. Um, and then just as far as when we're actually doing specific training, uh, like when we go to the push track, you know, they're pushing on the side of the sled. So where they push mm -hmm. is different. Um, how they hit the sled is different. Some pilots, start in line with the brakeman and they kind of get like a running start into the pilot bar. Um, some pilots start at the bar and then we'll go with it. So just kind of depends on what that pilot's strengths are. Um, but for the, as far as training goes, like in the weight room, it's pretty similar. So is there anything that you've uh, had to encompass in your training that you weren't familiar with where you're like, oh shit, I never was doing that? Is there anything new or is it pretty much like I've done all this shit. Uh, <laughs> I mean, definitely, I would say just different variations of things, um, different types of squatting, um, some new like staggered stance lifts, uh, a lot more power movements, um, just a lot of things that I'm not doing anymore <laughs> as far as like all the endurance stuff, all the gymnastics stuff, um, none of that. Uh, and I mean, honestly, like my body really likes it. Um, mm -hmm. Just from like the break of that. I mean, obviously in place of all the volume now is just intensity. So I think for the first few weeks, I was kind of a little anxious about it. I was like, I need to be doing more. I'm so used to doing a million workouts a day and I'm not. Um, and now, especially now with sliding, like it's plenty, like it really, like two runs doesn't seem like much, but like your CNS afterwards is just like, yeah, doing anything after is just rough. <laughs> it's uh, so yeah. Aside from, I guess the change in volume, right? That exposure to that volume. Um, did, did you struggle with any of the, either the new movements or variations? Like, were you, um, it, as you adopted this and like, is there anything that you struggled with that you were surprised with? Um, I mean, I would say the biggest thing that I'm working on right now is the sprint mechanics. Um, so, I mean, obviously if I continue to get stronger, that's great. Um, but for me, it's definitely going to be developing, um, the sprinting work because I've never trained yeah. that and all of my, trying. sorry, what is it? Is it trying not to try? 
I feel like that's uh, kind of like a, the CrossFit mentality is grind, grind, grind through yeah. it. And sprinting is one of those things where it's like... Ease uh, attention, uh, uh, baby. Uh, 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 can't yeah. be trying so hard. Right. So, dude, dude, do they have some form of uh, like formal sprint training? You guys running on a track or indoor or doing anything going out there and like having a you know legit track day? Yeah. So, so th- with all of us here, everyone kind of has their own individual programming as far as the sprint training weight room. Um, for the most part, like we're training at the same times, especially with our lifts and stuff. Um, but as far as the track work goes, like Kelsey and I have been training together a lot with that. And then I've also been getting a ton of help from the veterans here, which has been super helpful. Um, so we'll do like track day has been doing a lot of, we'll either do just some accelerations or we've been doing a lot of, um, resisted accelerations and then occasionally just some straight up prowler pushing to kind of drive in those mechanics um, and those good positions. Um, I mean, it's definitely very, very different. I mean, for the past few years, I've been trying to be able to run, you know, at that like 75, 80% for like 45 minutes. And now, you know, that's kind of, we're throwing that out the window, which finally (laughs) can go away. Um, But yeah, so like even just like learning how to actually move my arms when I sprint and stuff like, like it's very, very new and it's extremely humbling. Um, you know, cause I, I definitely, I pride myself in being a good athlete and it's uh, definitely a shot to the ego a little bit mm-hmm. uh, and just feeling very awkward with certain movements. Um, but definitely like trying to embrace that and um, everyone here is very good with that. They're like, Hey, like we were all in your position at one point or another. And so, yeah, so they're, they're, they're good sports about it. So what's the game plan? Are you going to stay there and train, go back and finish your masters or what's kind of the, I mean, I, well, I guess you'll know here in the next two weeks, right? Yeah. So, uh, finishing up my masters, it's, so it's remote through Michigan state. Um, which makes things nice. So with everything going on in the world, that didn't change at all. Um, so the team will get named um, around the week of Thanksgiving and then potentially could be coming back here to do some more training. Um, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, and then, I mean, either way, I'll continue to train for this and uh, yeah progressing so your training has evolved yeah from what it makes you realize is nobody really likes a crossfit training <laughs> it's fucking true man like I, I know and then all, 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 all of a sudden they're like somebody shoots you like a like a, a what would it be like hey, a, Colleen, let's go triple murph you're gonna yeah, be like no i'm good no. I'll, uh, i'm gonna hit some triple no it's like here. a lifeline it's like seven hey the, yeah the u.s bob sloating coach called Fuck this, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's, it, it's like, I mean, like you get to a point where you're like, man, I can just suffer through this and there's a mental piece. And then you're yeah. realizing that like everything that I was probably doing was degrading my athleticism and like my ability to peak as an athlete, um, you know, cause it's like this constantly varied, you know, like, like you said, 70, 80% in ev- everything. Cause if you put a hundred percent into anything, you'll implode and not be able to do oh, yeah. the next you know, right. 47 events. Yeah. So you have a situation where you're like, I got two chances. Yeah. Let's fucking go. Right. Like, like I, I would much rather do that. Be like one workout winner takes all. I'll fucking blow that yeah. one up. 
Yeah, no, it is cool. That's part of, I mean, not only do I love the training, but it, it's really cool that I feel like this really allows me to focus on my strengths and really express those. Cause mm-hmm. I definitely feel like, um, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, you know, the name of the game in CrossFit, you got to be really good at everything. So yeah, for me, right. it's like, okay, you're strong enough. We don't need to do that much. We got to focus on all the things that you're not great at, which I mean, definitely like, it's not the most fun thing in the world. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's cool to feel like this is, uh, yeah, it just feels like a really good fit. Well, I mean, and what a great, um, I always thought that by far one of the coolest things to be able to represent your country in the Olympics. Like I, like, you know, as a, you know, NFL player was cool, but then you like get a chance to watch the summer, the winter Olympics Mm -hmm. and just like see those dudes like hoist, you know, yeah. Like stand up there and be like, you know, crowned, not the fittest on the planet, but like you won the gold medal. You're the best that year of everybody in the world to do that. I always loved it. And uh, dude, I'm a huge fan of the Olympics. So that's why I like anybody that gets a chance to go do something like this, I'm like, dude, this is something that, uh, like well, one, the one, the, as yeah. well. like this is a lineage to the beginning of time. time. Well, yeah. and Stephen G. Miller, yeah. my, uh, yeah. um, did, did you have him at, uh, at Berkeley? Uh, Stephen G. Miller, he, he was, uh, ancient athletics or did he had retired? No, by then? I didn't. So there was a professor, Stephen G. Miller, who was the foremost expert in the world on ancient athletics, and he had gone and like excavated one of the original sites at Nemea, which is where the, one of the four Olympic sites were. Oh, okay. And uh, he, he taught a, a class that was called Introduction to Ancient Athletics, and then I took like a bu- super good class, um, and then I took a bunch of his upper division, just because the dude was so such a cool cat, and uh, he's since retired. Now he lives in Greece excavating a site, and uh, we're, he just sent me his new book, and we're still... Uh, oh, wow. kind of pen pals so like I, I always think it's funny that here I am all these years later like I'm still friends with my professor yeah. he sends me his new books like wants to know everything he's doing we had him on the podcast which he listened to and was extremely complimentary of himself I was like hey do you want to re-record he's like no I think I did wonderful <laughs> I was like this fucking guy yeah he uh but yeah I, I, I wasn't sure if he retired or not but uh it was a good class um a bunch of the jocks used to take it they used to call it rocks for jocks and uh yeah it was good Colleen, are you in a, like an Olympic village? Do you get to train with other winter athletes, snowboarders, skiers, and all those other people? So right now we have um, luge, skeleton, and bobsled. And those are the three teams here right now. Uh, so the skeleton, skeleton man. What's the, so luge. the luge is where you're on like a fucking feet. like a feet down sled. Yeah, feet yeah. first. Oh, and you're like on like first. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. bobsled is like the... Uh, either the of those? Dude, you selected the best one. <laughs> yeah. The luge and the, and no, the skeleton? Like, no way. I like the skeleton idea. Fucking suicide? <laughs> Just head first? <laughs> like, fucking surfing? Body surfing down the... Human down. missile. Human torpedo. Uh, well, okay, Colleen, give us a, a peek behind the curtain of what's training for either the luge, because it's... I mean, both of those just sound like suicide. So what do you do? Just... Uh-huh. Yeah. Take risks? I mean, so we don't train with them or like at the same time or anything. So I don't know exactly what their training looks like. Um, but I mean, they do, they still take, you know, their sled out to the push track. So like, it's mm-hmm. the same thing. They just run alongside it and then hop on like on their stomachs. Um, I cannot even wrap my mind around like props to them. I don't know how they do it, but um, yeah, it is 
crazy. Maybe I don't fully understand the risks, but it sounds great. Well, I mean, uh, all, all, all you got to do is Google uh, on YouTube no, uh, the wipeouts. That. No, that's what I like. Bobsledding, uh, bobsledding or luge wipeouts. Like the bobsled ones, like especially like the foreman on the dudes. If you they they have a whole compilation of these guys just fucking flipping them like on top and then shooting down at like eighty miles an yeah, hour. And I'm like, cool running, I've seen it. Oh my Slow god, cool dude, coach. Like those guys. <laughs> oh, dude, it's great. I love it. You saying cool runnings invented the slow clap? What's yeah. what's the uh, what's the top speed that that you get up to uh, during the run? Is it like when they time it? Um, I don't know about. So we're expecting some abnormal warm weather here right now. So the ice was pretty slow the last few days. Um, luckily, it's going to get colder. So for this weekend and next weekend, we'll have some good fast ice. Um, but what I was looking up, I'm not sure like the specific sled I was in, but I think it's roughly like around 90 miles an hour or so. Um, As you're going down the track. Yeah. I need that. I like that That's game. pretty fucking cool. Yeah. It's, you're like, I'm getting a speeding ticket anywhere in this country. Let's go. I was just going 90 <laughs> miles an hour in the Hyundai Accent, Hyundai Accent the other day. You yeah. Oh, you shouldn't need 20 minutes to get there. <laughs> <Up> to <laughs> and the bumper just fell off. You're like, but it was weird. I had to turn around and get the bumper and the handle. <laughs> I told you that. <laughs> you got to give Colleen context for your joke. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I bought like a real old Hyundai Accent and I'm just whipping around in this like five door hatchback that is falling apart and it's the best thing I've ever purchased. Oh, man. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. You like the word whipping around, I think, is uh, <laughs> used liberally here. Like, I mean, like, you know, and I'm, and I'm sure in your mind you're like picturing Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift, Dom Toretto. John, every and, time I take and, and, tires, <laughs> I'm trying to pop the and, tires. And all there is is like 16-year-old girls being like, man, I hope my dad buys me one of those. <laughs> I know. So I'm thinking like, I can't uh, I think, decide what I hope my dad doesn't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Shaw's daughter is looking at that being like, hell yeah. That's my exit plan. Sell <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, Colleen, what was your first car? It was a Chrysler Sebring convertible. Oh, oh I know. Wow. I rented one of those. What, red dice on the, the rear view? Did you have a or was no. It dice? <laughs> no, Hawaiian flowers? Was it green? It was gold. Oh. <laughs> don't, don't, uh, um, don't you have like a gang of brothers and sisters? Yeah, so I have two brothers and three sisters. Whoa. Where, where do you fall? I'm the oldest. Okay. So, so you got to hand that down? So they're yeah. still driving it? No, no, no. So it was my grandma's car, and we bought it from her. And then uh, it only made it through, I think, like three of us, maybe. Um, mm. And then I took it to Cal, and that thing was like, poor thing. I mean, it had some good years, but like it was basically <laughs> like flipping a coin if I would make it to my next destination or not. Um, it actually gave out in San Francisco in the middle of an intersection one time. Oh. So that was fun. But yeah, top so that the car is no more. Well, at that point, you just got to get out and push. Well, is it top down? That's the question. Push it right into the bay? Uh, <laughs> you know, that's like, I, I thought you were going to say I took it to Berkeley and then it just disappeared. And next thing you know, a homeless dude was living in it. <laughs> People's Park. Uh, the old Sebring. God, I, I think I rented one of those, like a, a Chrysler Sebring convertible, and it was green with a tan top. And nice. it was such a piece of green shit. Green and tan. That's a bold move. Dude. Now I have the gold. The gold looked good. I remember that one. I was my very first rig, Pontiac Grand Dam, 1994, oh. two-door coupe. 
Did you rock a jean jacket? I still do. <laughs> Thanks for asking. <laughs> but that was my, uh, that was my number one. And you got a hand, but that was a, a freshie. Uh, what was yours? It was uh, a... Uh, down 1984 Mercedes turbo diesel mm-hmm. blue tank. Awesome. No, no. What was the one that we sold to that uh, that dude that had the oh, matching minivan? My, my oldest sister handed me down. She brought a brand new 2003 Toyota Corolla, took it to college, and then handed it down to me once she got like a big girl job and bought her first car. Mm-hmm. Dude, uh, great. So, uh, so where we live in the hill country, there are a lot of deer. Uh, didn't oh, a deer almost kill? Like dis- dismantled this car. I'm going 60 miles an hour, just minding my <laughs> own business. Or Luke and I got dinner, and I'm going home on this this highway. And out of nowhere, during rut season, a deer just comes out of nowhere. I'm going 60 and then slams into my driver's side door, takes out rear view mirror, puts this giant deer-sized dent in it. Mm -hmm. And I just saw this deer head at the the flash, a corner of my eye. And it took me a minute to realize, like, what the hell just happened? Because I didn't slow down. If I was going 59 miles an hour, I hit that thing head on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's why you need to put... You'd be like a can of soup tex. That's <laughs> You need to put neon lights under your car so the deer can see Dude, <laughs> dude do you know how many times... So it attracts them? Do you know no. how many times DJ's <laughs> been driving and deer have run into his car, uh, in, into his shitty blue pickup? Like five or six times. Like, oh, like, there's a new den. He's like, I got hit by a deer. I'm like, are you purposely trying to hit them? Oh, we're entering the rut now. So no, it's like, the, the rut's going on. There was a big deer. He was out there chasing the does the other day. So we're in it. Yeah, no, we're right in the, in the feet of the rut. your head on a swivel in that little Bro, hatchback. I got, I got a deer whistle on that. On that <laughs> you know what a deer whistle is? No. So you put it under your car, like on the grill, and it's supposedly, because I remember selling these in my previous... Oh, this year. is a real thing? Yeah. Allegedly? Yeah, like the wind passes through it and creates a noise that... Attracts? Scares, that scares deer. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, maybe I get a, a, a brush guard for the. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, dude, Dude, I I am can pretty. Probably, can you fab one up? I am sure go? we have something <laughs> that's like somewhere buried in like in on the property that we could totally just like weld on the front, just like weld it right to the hood. Now we're talking. Bad Max Hyundai. Really, yeah, yeah, we got to do that. What? No, no good. C- Colleen, what are you driving now? I am driving a Ford Escape. Oh, nice so, so when they brought you out there, obviously they're giving you a beautiful hotel room, which looks like an embassy <laughs> suite. Uh, <laughs> is it an embassy suite? No. So we're actually like, it's like a little campus. So it's not ah, like dorm okay. rooms. Yeah. Nice. So, so they, they uh, got your room, they got your board and they got you a sweet Ford Escape. Uh, well, so my Ford Escape is in Arizona, um, but we do have, so the team is sponsored by BMW. And so oh. every year they send out a fleet of, BMWs for uh, not for every single one of us, but um, for you know, so we can uh, go play. Well, not that we can go many places right now. Are you guys kind of like in a quarantine? Um, yeah. Like is it? Yeah. So when I came out here, depending on what state you came from, you either quarantine for seven or fourteen days. Um, luckily, I only had seven. Um, so in the room like you order food they dump it off at your front door you can't leave or we got 30 minutes outside a day um and that was it and then uh but now now that we're all quarantined we're all kind of in this bubble um we can go to the grocery store and stuff but that's basically just anything essential um Mm -hmm. but otherwise have to stay here wear masks all that all that stuff isn't lake placid i mean that's pretty 
remote, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I driving in from the airport. So I flew into Albany and then it's about like a two, two and a half hour drive. Um, and, uh, I honestly was like, I was like, do people even live here? I was like, is it just no? The like, question what? is, why do people live here? No, that's like, actually like that's the type of shit where you're like, who the fuck lives here, and why do they live here? No, it's actually, um, especially when the leaves were turning colors and stuff. The, I mean, around like the downtown area is packed. It's like a huge tourist attraction. Um, so yeah, and there's a lot more. Uh, going on it's not it, well i mean it's still kind of in the middle of nowhere but there's a lot more than i had previously wasn't there a movie about lake placid with like a big yeah, like you should ask like a big shark i think it's called lake it placid. alligator, I, alligator. Yeah. I, that's right i just pulled that up it's one of my favorite 1999 <laughs> yeah uh, i've seen it it's fucking terrifying i actually have not seen that i need to i need to watch it let well, me tell you about it okay so here's the thing it's an alligator a killer alligator that changes size throughout the movie like, <laughs> it was point, like a, a pocket he, alligator he pops out and he eats a guy you know like looks like a normal size alligator then the next one he like jumps up and eats a helicopter <laughs> time out okay two Am corrections number one it's a crocodile okay <laughs> yeah crocs are bigger than gators okay yeah, it's a crocodile. that's a crocodile or number saltwater two, gators are fresh the setting is a place called Black Lake, Maine, oh, and the lake no. is Lake Placid, so it's not in. No, it's not actually that Lake Placid. Uh, but Bill, so Pullman, there's two Lake Placids. Let me see the thing. It might be I can't turn my computer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Bill Pullman, the best fictional president in movie history, mm. is the, I guess, the sheriff that goes after this croc. I think it's Lake Placid, but I might be thinking Lake Placid too. <laughs> You know, what's ironic about that is Maine, you know, obviously crocodiles and uh, alligators are not cold-blooded animals where they would want to live in some place like Maine or even upstate New York. I don't think it's that obvious, John, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. He only comes in the summer. Well, this, this is following the success of Deep Blue Sea of giant crocodiles and the Tremor series. They uh -huh. just took those two and put them together. Yeah, you know, I like might be thinking like Crocosaurus or something like that. I'm pretty sure Lake Placid... Ends with the crocodile eating a helicopter. Can you? Can we confirm this? Okay. Well, wait, wait, we'll just have wait. To watch it. Are you telling yeah. me that our uh, our podcast has uh, evolved into movies? No, <laughs> yeah. we've never done that. This seems to be a bad habit. Oh god! Like we just somehow somehow we start talking about strength and conditioning. Next thing you know, we're arguing about yeah. like <laughs> awful movies from the nineties. Be like, Lake Placid sucked. <laughs> well, I was so confused because we a group of us went to one of the lakes around here to do like an ice bath and I mm. posted about it and I got all these DMs being like, Oh, haha, ha, watch out for crocodiles. And I was like, what are what? they talking about? You're like, like, what a bunch of nerds, <laughs> dorks. Okay. There is a Lake Placid too. <laughs> 2007. Yeah. That's a keeper. Oh man. I don't recognize any of these actors. <laughs> they, well, it's cause they all started in Twister. Mm, no. Garbage. Fucking garbage movie. This is uh, okay. No, this is better than Twister. Question, what is your opinion on the film Twister starring Helen Hunt? You know, I have not seen it. I knew exactly. It. I knew what she was gonna say. I, I knew it. Do you know why? Because she's normal. Yeah, and she has taste. Yeah. <laughs> Colleen, may I suggest a movie for this weekend? 
<laughs> It'll really get you amped up for your upcoming performance. Oh, it's so bad, especially when they're like, and, and Luke, Luke brought it up, like the cow flying. It's so bad. Oh, yeah, man. It's, like it's a wonderful love story, science fiction style. The suck zone. The um, suck zone. Uh, <laughs> so, I, Colin, are your, uh, are your siblings as active and athletic as, as you are? And like, how, how's the family reacted to this new opportunity for you? Yeah, so all of my siblings, we all played different sports um, and everyone swam at some point. Um, growing up, uh, especially my brother used to say that it was my fault that they had to swim. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, so they're all now, like my brothers um, got into CrossFit with me. So that was really cool. Um, so we'll throw down sometimes together. Um, and my sisters are all kind of into their own things, uh, different like boot camp style working out mm -hmm. and whatnot. Um, my parents, my mom played tennis in college, uh, ran a bunch of marathons. My dad also ran a bunch of marathons that definitely skipped me. I'm not <laughs> sure um, where it's at. It's called yogging. Yeah. Yogging. Yeah. Yogging. Yeah. just talking about that. Yeah, we were talking about yogging yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, I, I, there was that weird deal in the 80s, man, where like, uh, uh, like, People got into jogging and jogging suits and jogging shoes and everybody was jogging. It was a big craze. I mean, <laughs> yeah. even my parents jogged and like, it's hilarious. Yeah. So they, uh, they love running. Um, it's been cool though. Like my parents have gotten into, um, actually like strength training now. So that's been really cool. Like they have mm -hmm. full squat rack in the basement, barbells and all that stuff. So that's been, uh, really fun. Um, and yeah, so all my siblings, they, uh, they are all, none of them, uh, well, actually I have one brother who swam in college um, for a year, um, but they're all crushing it. Two sisters who are at SMU in Dallas um, in college, and then two siblings working at Apple, um, and then a brother who's also in the Silicon Valley area. Um, so they're all doing their thing. Um, and have they've all been super supportive. I mean, when I called them to tell them about this, they were just like, what the hell? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, they were yeah. fired up about it, but they were like, that is so random. Yeah, um, yeah, field. So, yeah. You know, I'm curious because it sounds like you're gonna, like you're gonna go back and throw down again and like, get, you know, get back into some wads and like, you know, the competitive exercise piece. And I'm curious how your performance might change with the new training style. My suspicion is like with improved proficiency in some of these movements, like sprinting mm -hmm. that like you'll, you'll be more like you won't have the capacity per se, mm -hmm. but your proficiency will be so much more that it's like, you know, you're, you're still humming and operating at, at a submaximal level, but you just won't fatigue as quickly. Yeah. There is a term Colleen, it's called speed reserve. So essentially you're building up your peak speed and then all this underneath becomes easier and simpler. Mm -hmm. So you're burning less and using waste energy. And then if you need it, you got that next gear that you can right. call upon yeah. for and the moment. My very limited and, and much less impressive um, experience with this was after that, that we did the 21 weeks of the Bulgarian deal. Oh, yeah, that was awful. And it was all, so we did a, a template that was like all singles, triples, and like. So the backstory was uh, Abba JF, um, the Bulgarian Olympic coach, 
he came and did a presentation for like like the American football coaches high school deal, and they asked him for a sample program. So he gave them the sample program for football players based off of the Bulgarian method. Mm-hmm. Somebody sent it to me, and I looked at this and was like, "This is this is a fucking disaster waiting to happen. Let's, Let's do, do it." it. <laughs> so uh, we wrote. So I, I wrote out like my version of it, and we implemented it. And it was like, I think I squatted over 550 for like, Jeez. for singles, like 18 days in a row. Mm-hmm. And by that time I was like, I'm fucking good. Like yeah, I, yeah. I, I just so sore. And I was not squatting 550. I don't know, <laughs> but I did get strong, much stronger. And I remember it was also during the Crock-Pot Chronicles. So it was like five pound roast a day and then like singles every day and triples. But I, point being at the end of this thing, Ben and I went back into like the CrossFit class Yeah, and, um, I remember we did like a Fran off and it was oh. by far the fastest Fran I had ever done but oh, wow. like in least tired I had ever been ben, in that that point. Ben failed at 405. He basically eccentrically loaded 405 to the ground and then we had to pick it back up um pretty much every day for like a long time. Yeah, so and, and uh, like, <laughs> like only only like over 85 90% singles doubles triples for 20 or so weeks and then I go back and do 45 reps at 95 pounds and like <laughs> Like Texas saying, like the reserve there was just so easy yep. to tap into. It, it was bonkers. God, that was and a terrible like, deal. Why would anyone keep doing this much volume and, to get better at volume? And then didn't Callie come and we just gave her the program and said, hey, do this. Yeah. And we didn't go. And then nobody else did it. She was like, hey, I'm behind. We're like, here you go. And yeah, we just yeah. fucking, she's like, you guys going to do it with me? We're like, no, we're never doing oh this again. Like, it, like yeah, we got really good Callie. at squad. Like we got really good at everything, but yeah. like everything was so sore. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I just felt like dog shit. And, like, you'd go in and, like, you'd start warming up. And, uh, it, like, I just remember feeling so bad. And I actually, like, would go PR the lift. And I didn't even realize it. I was just, like, so disgusted. I just wanted to leave. <laughs> and, and Colin and I just moved out to SoCal from the Chicagoland area from the Midwest. So, like, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, had bought me all these new skinny jeans. And then I grew out of those in like three like, weeks. That's not so now I'm like way too tight skinny jeans and pretty frumpy from five pounds of chuck roast a day. And it was just a bad, it was a bad look. Not quite as bad as well, Jack Street. we do but. know that if you eat a high protein diet and caloric restriction, theoretically you don't gain any fat. So you must be not in a caloric restriction. No, I don't think it was a caloric restriction. It was just a lot of chuck roast. <laughs> a lot Jeez. of drinks. Yeah, Jeez. Oh, yeah, yeah, there was a lot of... <laughs> yeah. He's like, it, it wasn't the meat as much as it was the white Russians yeah. that were uh, causing the fucking bulking of my quads. Oh, yeah, those oh. were the days. Man, that that was like... Um, God, we were stupid back then. Like, we like I tried so many dumb things, which is good, because uh, now when people ask me, I'm like, nah, that's a terrible idea. How yeah. do you know we did that shit? Yeah, and then here we were just thinking John knew exactly what he was doing. <laughs> Uh, I never claimed to know what I was doing. I just no, had no, some of the best ideas. Never did, but we thought it. <laughs> it's, um, yeah. it's one of those things where if nobody asks, like, uh, ask me no questions, I tell you no lies. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's good. Let's see, what else? What else is going on? What else do we want to talk about? What well, post-degree, do you, do you have oh, a vision yeah. for career once you lock down that, that next step in the education? Stockpiling on that, like... The data science undergrad is an interesting... Uh, is, will that be used in... Because sports science is, is blowing up, especially on the yeah. strength side where they're collecting a lot of data and there's a lot of position and positions opening up mm-hmm. within collegiate strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was kind of the goal behind that um, was that... I mean, I love coaching and when I started my master's, I pretty much thought I would go back into collegiate strength and conditioning. And 
um, as the years went on, started to really develop an interest for data analytics and um, but how it pertains to athletic performance and um, just overall fitness, nutrition, recovery, all that stuff. So the goal would be to, when I'm done with both of them, to find a job with uh, hopefully a company that's kind of doing some of that. Um, stuff like Aura Ring, you know, Whoop, um, companies Sparta. like that, which would Mike, be really cool. Sparta Science. Uh, what's our guy? Phil Wagner. Yeah, Phil, Phil Wagner. Wagner. Yeah, Sparta Science. Have you ever done any force plates or jump mats or anything like that? Yeah, so we actually, um, that's been some new stuff here too, is they'll do, we have some monthly testing that we do, but we also do uh, jumps on the force plates weekly just to track. Um, so that's been really interesting just to um, see improvements and then just see how the body's recovering week to week. So, yeah. Yeah, so just diving in and asking your coaches as many yeah. questions as you can. Right. The Sparta Science guys, they're... They're yeah. doing great things. Yeah, no, Phil's a sharp cat. I mean, um, what was, and the, dude, the, Hootie. The, well, the fact that he was Todd Rice's assistant at Boston College, and it was hilarious when we met him. He's like, remember we went to dinner? And I was like, no. He's like, you bought me dinner. We went to that place in Boston. I was like, you were Todd Rice's assistant? <laughs> Fucking Rice Patty? Uh, he was our strength coach at Cal. Oh, okay. And uh, we used to call him, uh, his name was Todd Rice. We used to call him the Rice Patty because, uh, <laughs> He was like, um, like we always imagined ourselves like uh, American soldiers and the VC would come out and snipe you in the rice paddy. That was him. He would fucking snipe you at all times. Uh, like just attack you ruthless. out of like no, yeah, ruthless attacks. Like um, I sometimes, like I'm glad that there was no social media then because that dude would have got absolutely demolished. <laughs> Some dude would like had his phone up and been like, listen to what my coach is saying. Uh, no. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, oh, dude. Who, who was the strength coach, uh, the head guy for football when you were there? Oh, for football, uh, I feel like when I was there, I mean, between being at school there and then coaching there, we had, there was such a huge turnover. It was <laughs> like almost huh? like every year. Um, oh, I honestly uh, cannot even remember. Have, uh, have you seen the new facility? Oh, yeah. In, in uh, nice? Yeah. So it was there when I was coaching there. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get to use it a ton just because we use the Haas weight room just because it was right mm -hmm. next to the pool. Um, sure. But when I started coaching, I used like every excuse I could whenever, you know, to take the team up there. So man, that is just, it is beautiful. Well, uh, coming from what we had, uh, Tex and I went yeah. up, was it, uh, it was, geez, it would be 2019. Almost, yeah, 2019. And uh, stopped by and um, I donated some money for a locker and they ended up uh, oh, cool. putting my name on the wall and oddly enough, my name wasn't on the locker. And they oh. were like, we went in and I was like, hey, uh, I donated like 40 G's. Where's my locker? And they like, we walked around and oh. they were like, ah, <laughs> your name's not on any of these lockers. And I was like, this is typical. Well, it this was. Is, <laughs> this is fucking. <sighs> John, John called ahead. It's pretty funny. They called ahead and then they gave us this grand tour of the stadium and all around. I'd never been there. It was amazing. And then they finished in the locker room with the bad news versus starting in the locker room. <laughs> Yikes. But the cool part is they ended up putting my name on the wall outside for donors. And then oh, when, cool. uh, when we went back for the SC game, which was geez, in almost a year ago, mm -hmm. uh, they had uh, had a locker and all there. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty neat. Colleen, did you ever meet a coach, Cher Cheryl Cox? She works with football at Cal. Uh, no, I did not. 
Oh, the old pal of mine that she does all the data for sprinting and speed tracking and all the ergometers for how many oh, steps cool. for the players. So like a uh, female coach working with the football team mm -hmm. that also does all the data. But That's awesome. Coach. Yeah. Cool, cool person. Nice. In terms of coaching, Colleen, uh, you obviously have your gig at Cal. Mm -hmm. Did you get into like any of the CrossFit coaching and, and group fitness and then or any other sport coaching in between kind of like now and previously? Yeah. So when I finished up at Cal, I was working at a CrossFit gym in San Francisco. Um, and then I met uh, one of my best friends now, Molly Vollmer. And then I started training with her at one of the NorCal gyms. And then, so I started working at NorCal full-time um, and then was doing coaching classes, doing personal training on the side as well. Um, and then did that up until moving out to Arizona um, and working at OPEX. Um, Cause at the time, um, Big Dogs, which is under OPEX was offering an athlete program uh, where they were sponsoring athletes and paying a stipend so you could train full-time. Um, so that was a huge draw, not only the really good coaching, um, but so the coaching and being able to have a coach that I could see on a regular basis. And then also, um, I kind of knew that if I really wanted to be at the top of that sport, I was going to have to go all into it. And so that mm -hmm. opportunity presented itself. So that was kind of how I ended up getting into there. And then, um, yeah. So I haven't been coaching since. Well, and then I started up school. So that kind of took over. Um, gotcha. Yeah, that time. Where were you living out in Arizona? Scottsdale. In, uh, Scottsdale? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a really good spot. It's uh, so I've lived kind of all over and it feels like a really good blend to me between the Midwest and California. And so mm -hmm. I, yeah, I really like it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm I'm, not I'm, mad at I'm going Scottsdale. there next week. I go, I'm going to see Dr. Tom next week. Uh, uh, Tom Inkledon, who has his um, Cosenta, which is his uh, clinic, does like, has done all my blood work and all the performance stuff for me for over 20 years. So every like twice a year, I kind of make like a little pig, uh, pilgrimage out there and oh, see cool. all the stuff he's working on, get blood and get all my yearly testing so that uh, nothing sneaks up on me. Yeah, it's like true. the one thing Good. with like NFL players, I always tell people, I'm like, man, make sure you get all your own blood work done. Like make sure you get a physical, do all this stuff. So you have like a uh, huge history. Well, Cause if like, you start trying to figure that yeah. shit out in your forties or fifties, right. you're fucked. That, that really should be like everybody though. Right? Uh, like, dude, I, I, and I, um, I, dude, I, I've recommended Tom to hundreds of people, especially mm -hmm. pro athletes and guys went out and saw him guys didn't. But um, I just think it's always good to have like somebody with a history so that if something happens, at least somebody's like, no, no, I got all the history. Like I know, uh, you know, the, where all this but stuff when goes. When you first started, it was like, that wasn't what you were thinking, right? It was about optimizing performance. Yeah. Well, but then it just so happens that record as you become. I got super into the micronutrient stuff. Yeah. Like I, I, like I had this idea that like, uh, you know, if there was a deficiency in micronutrients or there was something that was, you know, like gut inflammation blocking receptor sites that it would in, inhibit performance. Yeah, yeah. And I got super tweaked on this idea that you need like zinc, magnesium and iron and selenium for testosterone. And I was like historically low in some of them. And even though we supplemented, I was still low. And that's when I got into all the gut inflammation stuff. Mm -hmm. And as soon as that flick, like fixed it, it was like night and day difference. And then we did the food testing and it was just all kind of performance optimization. Right, right. And uh, recovery and just all the other kooky shit we could co cook up with. But now here you are. And now you got the history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then people ask me these questions, and I was like, "And as a matter of fact, I do. Yeah. I have a unique knowledge on this." Colleen, what's the nutrition talk 
amongst the the coaches to the athletes? Do you have a whole nutrition staff at hand? Yeah, so there is a nutritionist and, um, you know, that we can do like body comp type stuff or um, she's a great resource if we do need anything. Um, I, I actually was really curious how, if my nutrition was going to have to change a lot. Um, I think I was convinced that, you know, I'm training so many hours a day and just like sweating all the time. And, you know, I had my macros laid out. So, you know, I wouldn't get any heavier. If anything, maybe I'd, you know, get a little smaller and going in this, I was like, okay, my volume is going to be significantly lower. Um, I was nervous that I was going to have to cut down my food intake a ton. Mm -hmm. Um, but if anything, like I feel like I need even more, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. which is crazy and I'm not gaining any weight. Um, so that's been just really interesting. Um, and which is really nice. Cause I was really nervous that I was like, I just don't want to be hungry. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but yeah. So what, what's your, what's your approach in terms of food choice and selection? Are you, are you food quality gal or is it mostly macros like bang for your buck? What, what do you go with? Yeah. So definitely, um, quality for sure. I track macros. Um, I have specific set. I don't do like refeed days or anything. It's the same whether I'm training or off day, um, which I've like, I've tried other methods before where it's lower on certain days, but I've just found I, my body does a lot better if it's just same across the board. Um, and then I would say in like in the last year or so definitely have been, I feel like for the last like two, three years, I eat a pretty clean diet. Um, but in the last, I'd say year been going into more specifics about what specific foods, you know, my body likes or like what types of even like vegetables that my body just doesn't agree with. Um, yeah. like my coach had me look, look into, um, the low FODMAP diet, which was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And did, did you have any like uh, candida or any like gut inflammation or, you know, was there like leaky gut or anything going on? Cause usually that's like the, the FODMAP diets usually for some form of parasite or leaky gut or some gut inflammation. Yeah. So we didn't do any specific testing, but I definitely was feeling, I didn't feel like my food was digesting well. Like I was bloated all the time. I just right. wasn't comfortable and I didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I was talking to my coach about that and he was like, you know, maybe give this a shot to see if it works or not. Um, I was kind of hoping, I was like, I feel like this isn't going to work. It actually ended up working. And it was really interesting because a lot of the foods that I started to eliminate were ones that I would eat in excess during competitions. Um, and I always felt a lot heavier, more bloated during competitions. So I was like, man, this is... I mean, it was really eye-opening, um, and uh, but yeah, but especially coming out here um, with vegetables and stuff, uh, sometimes it's hard to be super picky because um, I mean we're eating at a dining hall, and I mean I still have trifecta that sends um, a good portion of my food too, but um, so have yeah had to tweak some things here and there since being out here, but um, not not too much. Nice. Yeah, the uh, I remember it was like fermented foods was a big no-no on that mm -hmm. diet. 
You know, the idea yeah. that it, like even leftovers, if you don't like if it's cooked, if it sits in the refrigerator for more than an hour or two, there can be like, a, I guess, mold or whatnot. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah. I, um, yeah, no, I've, I've, I've steered a, a couple people towards it that have had some like, you know, gut parasites or leaky gut or, um, diverticulitis and some of the other kind of, uh, small intestine issues. So tends to fix some of the stuff, but yeah, if you look at it, you'd be like, oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's, and for most people, I mean, at least for us, it's wasn't like that far of a stretch. Yeah. The, yeah. So I'm doing a form of it, I guess, probably a little more strict, but I never realized the amount of bloat I would get with foods, I thought it was just getting full <laughs> and like eating the excess. Like, but is there any one food? Uh, to, so tomatoes. Oh, 100% yeah. It. Like, uh, I remember like going out to any Mexican restaurant. And just boys, crushing yeah, salsa. You boys have been there with me. Like, I'll eat a liter of salsa. And I'm like, man, I have too many chips. <laughs> you're like, no, it's just your fucking gut exploding. 100%. And then you're laying there in bed, and it sounds like uh, like there's like a world war fighting yeah. in your stomach. And you're like, yeah. yep. I can't even sleep. It's so loud in here. <laughs> chips, these chips. Calling, oh, God. These, but what's funny now is like, I have experimented and decided to eat a whole bag of corn chips. And I will tell you what, it's not the same. It is not the same feeling, and they're very hard to finish. But uh, yeah, so that was a huge like. For I'm curious, how many fucking years have I just been being like, oh, well, dude, I'm full. I you told know? you about that client I had who oh, yeah. uh, who who was like uh, deathly allergic to corn. Mm-hmm. And I remember we got all this this gut testing going back, and I remember like looking at him like, dude, you're like a, a like a hundred out of a hundred on like a corn allergy. Mm-hmm. Like, do you eat a lot of corn? And he's like, nah. And then he thought, and he's like, well, like once a week we go out for Mexican food, and I'll eat a bunch of chips, and I have like this, you know, like a, a you know burrito, tacos, tamales. Or whatever. Yeah, tamales. And I'm like, how's that go? He's like, well. As, like mid meal, I'll usually have to go to the bathroom and hazmat it mm-hmm. and just like explode <laughs> this thing. And uh, he goes, but then I come back and he goes, I really feel really crappy. I usually go home and go to sleep. But like, you know, that happens after most of my meals. Yeah. And I remember I thinking like, and you think that's normal? And it's like, it was crazy. It was just uh, um, burning himself one day a week with all this. Yeah. And then wondered why, you know, and then all of a sudden we cut corn out. And next thing you know, like the gut bloat drops, body fat comes down, performance goes up, sleep goes up. And they're like, could it just have been the corn? And I'm like, yeah. uh, I mean, if you think like uh, there is, man, dude, I'd have to talk. To, uh, I know Rob Wolf threw this statistic at me because of the, gen- and I'm not a big hater of GMOs, but the genetically modified the corn they've modified is so far, yeah, yeah like so far removed from anything that we've ever eaten in our diet that uh, it's almost foreign to us. And like a lot mm-hmm. of people have a ton of allergy with that, and like peanuts and yeah. you know the standard allergies. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's been great, wild ride. Wild so ride. salsa, you just had to get rid of salsa, yes. which is a sad that salsa is sad. And barbecue sauce, salsa and barbecue sauce, and we're here in Central Texas, the barbecue capital of the world. Uh, Colleen, what's going to be your your big meal post comp? Oh, um, salsa. Yes, I mean Lucky. I I <laughs> love <laughs> chips. Like my love yeah. for chips is yeah. Well, you're in Arizona. That's probably the best place for. I mean, everywhere you go in Arizona, they put a bag or a bowl of chips on the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's uh, uh I mean. Probably after that, my usual go-to, I would say, um, so I really like baking. I don't do it very often because it's just dangerous and I can't have that stuff around. Um, but uh, so when I can bake again, I'll uh, probably, my go-tos right now are 
chocolate chip peanut butter cookies um nice. or cinnamon rolls has been uh, mm. a big one and then um since moving to arizona um i've gotten into peanut butter and jelly burgers what which are elvis is that elvis burger, no right? he had Mates peanut butter uh peanut butter banana, and banana right? sandwiches fried so banana um peanut butter bread deep fried oh wow so so uh um, another story but uh my training partner who also played at cal so when i lifted weights my training partner offense line was a guy named drake parker and drake's uh, uncle was Ed Parker, who was Elvis's bodyguard. Oh, wow. So when uh, he, he was from Hawaii, so we went to uh, stay with his parents in Kaneohe, and um, the dad was regaling us with uh, stories of going to Graceland and Elvis. And one of them was like two in the morning watching them make banana peanut butter sandwiches deep fried in peanut oil. That sounds oh, at two in the morning. That and I'm like, how many? And he's like, oh, like a dozen. 12 sandwiches? No yeah. way he died of a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. oh you think you could eat 12 peanut butter jelly sandwiches? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> you could eat 12? Uh-huh. Yes. With, uh, with crust no, no uh, dude, he's, he's got to be a no crust guy. I'm a, uh, no, I, I like crust. crust uh, my son, who's four, uh, he makes, like, I'll make him a PB&J. And, like, um, so I made him one. He, he, like, came back and was, like, pointing at it. And I'm like, well, what's wrong? And he's, I got to cut oh, his crust I, off. I miss PB&Js more than anything. So, Colleen, you're witness, John, witness. I think we have to have a crew episode where we just watch Taxi 12 fucking sandwiches. I bet you I could. I bet I you. I, like, I don't know if that would be that hard, but it'd be a lot of bread. How much oh, is in a loaf? How many slices are in a loaf of bread? Uh, 24. It's, that's all you eat a loaf of PB&Js. You, really? Well, I need how much some incentive. Like, how much, how much peanut pe- butter are you putting on that? <laughs> like, one tablespoon per like because that's what I always kind of weigh it out at. I usually do right, like a well tablespoon we, and I put that on the bread for. Uh, that's light. All right, my, we got to mix. Personal preference, but that is we, light. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll get creative <laughs> with the jams and we'll go to town. You want jelly or jam? Okay, here it is, Colleen. <laughs> they have to. What's watch. on a peanut butter and jelly burger? No, is you, it a burger with legitimately peanut butter and jelly? It's a burger, peanut butter and jelly, and bacon. And then sometimes Ooh. they put this like uh, chipotle. Where do you get this? Um, it's called uh, Cold Beers and Cheeseburgers. What's the place in Scottsdale right on the main drag, uh, like across from like where Nordstrom's is? It's like like that bitch in Mexican place that does the street tacos. Like you go and it's all like oh. Dias de las Muertas. Um, it, it looks like something like an East L.A. gangster owns it. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I can't think of the name. Dude, that is one of my favorite places in the world. Like, so like uh, every time we go there, they have really good. They have like 50 different types of margaritas that are all based on the original. Oh. So it's like an original with this, which I, I'm not a big fan of. Like, uh, like I like the original margarita. Mm-hmm. So no, I mean now my mouth is watering. I'm like, <laughs> God damn it, those are good. I can't wait to watch you eat these sandwiches. Well, man. here's the catch. What? Both of you have to watch Twister with me while I eat it. No. Wait, so what's the time frame on you eating this? Oh, one hour. Five minutes. Twister. Four minutes. Twister. You're going to take 90 minutes to eat 24 sandwiches or 12 it's, sandwiches? It's 12 sandwiches in 90 minutes. Yeah, I can do that. Can you drink a That's gallon of milk in an hour? Um, no, I'm not going to do that. So I almost want to turn it into a race, but I will, I'm pretty sure I'll die if I eat peanut butter or jelly sandwiches. Why? What, um, what about that, almond butter? I like almond butter more than peanut sure. butter. I'll eat anything. Any, any type of butter. <laughs> Just a butter <laughs> 
like butter and jelly. Oh, actually, does that, that sound is good? That good. sounds yeah. if it's toasted, it'd be pretty good. Yeah, that's toast. That sounds amazing. Okay, so so so, so wait, what was the burger place again? Again, because uh, uh, I'm gonna uh, cold beers and cold, cheeseburgers. Uh, cold I've, beers, Colleen. I've actually been here with one of our coaches, Zanis, during an yeah. Arizona seminar. So oh yeah, I, old Scottsdale. Yeah, I know there's the so there's two. There's one in Old Scottsdale, and then there's yeah. another one. I the apartment I live in literally. Like I'm within a walking distance from it, which is. Yeah, I, I thought you were going to say that you lived upstairs. No, You're like, no. I live upstairs. And there's a fire pole. Yeah, yeah. and there's a dumb waiter. Uh, the uh, God, what was the place that uh, Lauren Glassman took us? Wasn't it the Capitol? Capitol Col- Grill. No, Capitol no, it, it was um, Mastro's Capitol Club, which is where we had the Kobe yeah. fucking tomahawks. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, yeah. So we taught a se- seminar out in Arizona, and uh, Lauren Glassman, Greg's ex-wife, came uh-huh. with her like uh, minions, and then invited us out to dinner. And we went out to this uh, this dinner, yeah. and like, yeah. And the guy, like, like the waiter comes over, and he's like, "Hey, for the specials, we have these forty ounce uh, Kobe tomahawk steaks for two hundred and fifty dollars a piece. Well, we, they were overnighted yeah, from, from Australia. <laughs> yeah, but like, which like it was really good. And I'm like, we're gonna need seven of those. It's on and put it on cross. Fitz credit card. It was, it was the best meal we ever had. Wow. <laughs> it was. <laughs> All right. Well, they this Cold Beers and Cheeseburgers has a burger challenge. Let me read it to you, Luke. You're a food challenge guy. Uh, it's three. You start with at least three burger patties and add as many as you want. Eat it in record time and your burger's on us. This burger isn't for the faint of heart, ladies and gentlemen, with each patty weighing in at a half a pound. Half a pound. Pre-cooked oh. post. It's going to be pre cooked. Hope you're excited to hear that you can make a burger as big as you want. So then the website has uh, all these different times and patties. There's a three patty time, four patty time, six, all the way up to the record. 14 patties in 18 minutes and 43 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) So weird. How do you. (laughs) <laughs> uh, how much peanut butter and then there's peanut butter and bacon on there god i was sitting there thinking i'm like god that's a lot of flavors you got like the bacon like that's I just like a it. lot i can get behind that i mean i would do it it works yeah, sure. though it sounds so strange but like it, it really works they also have a burger there i haven't tried it it's i think it's called the alignment and uh instead of a bun it's two grilled cheese sandwiches yeah i like that type of like hybrid Dude, there was a, a God. I can't remember. There's a place in Vegas that makes that heart attack burger. Mm-hmm. So it's a double bacon cheeseburger with pastrami. I think it's the heart attack. Yeah, diner. I think it's called the heart <laughs> attack diner. Yeah. So uh, Paul Carter will like periodically like text me pictures. He's like, "We gotta go." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Dude, there's so no we're way. talking." So it's a half pound patty, is what they said. Yeah, three, four, and they have a record yeah. time for each. And what's the three three patties? And it's just the buns. Three patties, buns. The record seconds. time is four minutes and five seconds. For three patties. Mm-hmm. And then someone did 14 patties in seven? In 18 minutes. Or, okay, 18 minutes. Hmm. I'm, ki- I'm, like, I'm kind of nervous. We went, Honestly, Colleen, this is probably what you felt like so at Crossing Games. There's, uh, <laughs> there's a Mexican restaurant in East L.A. called El Tepiac, and they have this uh, El Tepiac. Seven-pound Tep- burrito. Yeah, seven-pound burrito. burrito. Right, so oh. we go there after. I think it was after one of the CrossFit, yeah, CrossFit uh, Gambate, yeah, Gambate event, and so we roll in, and uh, we order this thing. Luke fucking smokes it like it's like a cheap cigarette, and like I'm over, and I'm I'm like not a very good like 
quantity big eater. Uh-huh. Like I'm eating and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm seeing stars, I'm sweating. I'm like thinking I'm going to throw <laughs> up. And Luke's like, you guys aren't done. And I'm like a quarter through this thing. So here's how I also kind of remember it is like, ah, you know, like no one was finishing it. Right. Like Ben Sprague, you, nobody's finishing this enormous burrito. And I'm like, I think I'm good. And you're like, no, you're not. I'm like, okay. Just <laughs> he like, just fucking <laughs> housed it. Okay. And, and uh, just like kept going. I'm dude, like, you boys just keep me talking. Like, we did, uh, what was the other one we did? It was uh, in Utah. I remember we did the, it was the a, do- a dozen eggs. Diner. It was a dozen eggs, a pound of hash browns, and a pound of bacon, and a, like a 40 ounce glass of milk. Crushed it in like 18 minutes. Yeah, oh, easy. Yeah, like, cool. I got smoked in the lady, like the waitress was talking shit to me. She's yeah. like, oh, I'm like, oh, Well, with that one, Colleen, was timed. Like, you had to do it in 20 minutes or yeah, 15 minutes. It was 20 minutes. Or something minutes. like that. But here's where they get you the omelet was so goddamn hot. <laughs> yeah. like, you had to wait four minutes for it to cool yeah, down. Yeah, they brought it up. Sort of oh, it was piping. It was bull. Yeah, it was, a, it was a dozen egg omelet with a pound of hash browns, a pound of bacon. And how much milk? And they're like a big like four, a big, like a big, like you know, one of maybe not a yeah, like like a a milk stein, a exactly. whole milk. That's where I would fail. On the milk, <laughs> it's I just a lot like of milk. This, like this, Dumb. yeah. He just like, like oh, he he can unhinge his jaw. Oh, like you probably got yeah. skim. Big no, skim it was guy. whole. It was well, it was whole milk. milk. Yeah, it was whole <laughs> or something. Yeah, I think um, I might have a picture of that that we could put in the show notes. So I, I, I recall it from football. Is now this has to turn into a competition because I don't like why. Here's the competition. You got to sit through Twister and admit it's good. <laughs> but I just, you're slow. You're going to be chewing on this sandwich like a Reciting cow. the lines. Like a cow. You're you not know, like wrong. A, imagine, how long do you think it takes to well, eat a sandwich? Wait, 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 wait. What's going on with this weird mustache thing? What mustache? <laughs> I mean, what did you just say? Grow like? a mustache already, John. <laughs> it's Movember. Oh, okay. So I started in April. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. But uh, how long? So I'm guessing like it takes an average human. I'm talking Wonder Bread PB and J is six bites. Oh, you're you're a white bread guy. I'm just assuming. Okay. Yeah. Are you a wheat? wheat uh, bread? Yeah, I'm like kind of like a, a seven grain kind of wheat. Like I don't like okay. white bread. I'll eat anything. You so. white bread chicken shit motherfucker. Anything. Okay. So well, PB J related. <clears throat> so I get to pick the bread then too. Pick the. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you got to standardize everything. <laughs> Jif, uh-huh. peanut butter, Smuckers. We got to pick some Smuckers flavors, uh-huh. and then like a generic bread. It's just gonna infuriate. I'm gonna be so mad watching you take 13 minutes to eat. That's gonna sandwich. be uh, 13 minutes, dude. No, I'm gonna finish it within Twister window. That's gonna be the happiest 90 minutes I've ever had. Okay. PB and J. But you're never gonna be able to get that 90 minutes back from Twister. Like, that just fucking black holed your life. John, I have spent probably 90 oh. hours watching that movie that <laughs> I can't get oh, back. This week. Awful. <laughs> speaking, of, uh, uh, speaking of PB&Js, there was a heated debate going on in the dining hall the other night. Uh, mm. People were arguing if you change, like, if you put, uh, like jelly bread bread peanut butter or if you just left it as is like depending on where everything is would it change the taste of the sandwich mm. oh, was like, too much bread eat. like uh too much bread with the pb like i feel like there's like a perfect proportion of like yeah. peanut butter and jelly to bread and if you get too much bread it just is like oof. so you're saying you get almost like an exterior coating right of the... yeah i think that is a totally different um it would change like there, there's yeah, 
I'm on board with change. What would you side with? Did you say it doesn't matter? I was saying that, I mean, I don't know if this was a, I guess it's kind of in the middle, but like the initial taste for sure changes. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it was, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll tell you what I did do a lot growing up was peanut butter honey. Oh, yeah. If you're packing your lunch, you had to double side peanut butter and then put the honey in between because if you just did peanut butter honey, you'd get the uh, crystallized bread. No bueno. Crystallized bread? Yeah, it would. Like it's, yeah. Soggy. Soggy, yeah. yeah. Were you a Ziploc guy or like a tinfoil guy? Sluggy bread sludge. For sandwiches? Yeah. Zip baggies? Okay. You, you Plastic baggies. bags that you just threw away. Oh, uh-huh. shocker. There's and my brown paper bag that I... Th- yeah. Text just single-use plastics. Oh, and you used a brown paper bag drums. every day, huh? Yeah. Mm. Oh, man. We had reusable bags Wasn't even back then. was your nickname in high school uh, Sloggy, Soggy Bread Slice? <laughs> no, that was Limp Brisket. No, <laughs> that, was that was your high school nickname. Oh, yeah, yeah right. Soggy Bread. Mm-hmm. Um, so what... Uh, uh, the only question I have is, so what's the end, like, um, if you could kind of like kind of game plan this thing like what's the like what's the perfect world the fact that you make the team get a chance and then get a chance to you know go to Beijing and run down and hold your hand up for a gold medal I mean is that like the oh yeah I mean that's uh that would be yeah perfect world that would be uh would make the team this year continue training um and uh yeah, and then hopefully make a run at an Olympic Games. Um, the cool thing is I really feel like this is a sport that I could do for a while. Like, I really yeah, yeah. do love it, um, even though I haven't been doing it all that long. Um, and uh, it is really cool, like you were saying, just how the idea of getting to represent your country. And, I mean, growing up swimming, that was the end goal, was to go to the Olympics. And, you know, I took swimming as far as I could, and, it, like, that just wasn't – you know, a reality anymore. And so it's kind of crazy that, um, you know, that journey's kind of getting revisited a little bit. So um, definitely not in a way I would have ever imagined. Um, mm-hmm. I can't wait to call uh, Terry McKeever, my swim coach, and tell her that I'm out here doing this. She'll, uh, yeah, would never have guessed. But um, yeah, so that would be, that would definitely be the goal. Was there some like Natalie Coughlin, was a Natalie Coughlin? Uh, vibe at Cal like as a female swimmer because she was so dominant and on the Olympic scene I, w- I wonder if like the female swimmers that go to Cal she was kind of the mark for all that so there's that kind of pressure piece almost I mean she definitely helped build that program 100% had such a huge role in where that program is today um, and I think I mean that was one of the biggest reasons I went there was that they produce attract like the excellence and that's um like if you want to be the best at this like that was the place to go or is still like there's still still. a great team um and so that's what i wanted to be a part of and um yeah i mean they're yeah we had a ton of and it was really cool from all over the world not just u.s olympians but slovenia hong kong um so it was yeah Really amazing group. It's awesome. Yeah, Colleen, it's awesome to hear that you've like, you've hit this lane, you know, and like you're sticking to it. We're, I know we're on our on our end. We're here rooting Dude. for you. Oh, it's cool you. to watch from from this end, you know, through social and everything. Yeah. So it's it's, it's awesome and like, I, just kind of cool too, man. Like, there's a heritage of you being at Occupy Strength and like <laughs> one of the early like. 
female power athletes in in our minds and watching you in your career within the CrossFit stuff. And, and now actually progressing into a power sport. Yeah. 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 So, and I feel like uh, uh, at least that maybe I had some influence where I'm like, get out of this, go do something amazing. You're probably like, shut the fuck up, you idiot. But uh, no. What's his friend? Huh? Yeah, whatever. And I'm like, dude, you have a chance to be a real athlete. These people are all fake athletes and we're all pretending are athletes. <laughs> Oh, fuck. Yeah, my hypocrisy only goes so far. So, no, I'm so stoked for you. Oh, uh, you. We, we, we couldn't be more proud. And, um, you know, go Bears. Yeah. So thanks, Colleen. And thank you, Power Athlete Nation. If you're not following Colleen on social, get on there. Get Check her out. See what the train, what's up with training and how everything pans out in the next uh, few weeks. And, yeah, again, Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Follow Colleen's journey to Beijing on Instagram at Colleen Fausch. Until next time, bye!